3: And welcome to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thank you guys for being with us here for episode 250 here on Monday, December the 6th, 2021. We're here to start your week off right by romping you through the world of retro wrestling, as always. I'm Joe Murata. I'm joined by Michael Quinn. How you doing there, Michael? howdy 250 episodes. Wow. Mr. 250. Quinn. That's 250. halfway to 500. <laughs> Yes, it is. Is that true? And yes. here on our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Math Podcast. Yes, it's. Uh, a, it's we, we always talk about math. Yeah, we always do. But we thank you for doing the math and remembering that it is Monday to join us here. We appreciate you wherever you might be. We hope you start your day off right, your week off right, whatever the case may be. Thanks for being with OVP, whether it's been for the last couple episodes or the five years that we've been doing this. Wow. We really appreciate it. Five years? Five years. That's insane. But What happened five years ago? We were, <laughs> we were much younger. Yeah. We were in our early thirties instead of our mid thirties. You know, it's a big leap. Yeah. It's a quantum leap, if you will. It's very quantum. You know, one thing that has been consistent the whole time is that we have very wonderful loyal fans. Yes. And we thank you guys really for being with us here. This is not a five-year celebration. 300, when we hit that, that'll be the biggie. Right. The next big anniversary Is consistent, though? What's that? The little opening thing we do here where we talk about the Facebook and all that. Oh, we do do that. Yeah. Yeah. So why don't we remind you of a couple of things, folks. If you have a Twitter, why don't you follow us there? You can do that at OVP Podcast on Twitter, and that's for daily wrestling gifts and stuff like that. It's a fun time. There's no drama over there. Just If you have Twitter, at OVP Podcast, follow us, okay? You can also email us if you want to at OVP Podcast at gmail.com. That is VP Podcast at gmail.com but Quinn your specialty if people want to talk to you and me and over a thousand other retro wrestling fanatics where can they go over at uh, facebook.com slash 250
1: year anniversary.com it's a long URL yeah, it's a super long URL why would anyone put the slash with the dot we, I don't know we don't know but I do know this they have a search bar oh they do they yeah. have it you type in the search bar our vantage point dash retro wrestling podcast bing bang boom two score
3: oh. kaflui hit the join group you're in and all you have to do to join the group is agree to one rule. One rule only, which is don't be what? A dunderhead. And all that means, folks, is listen, we know that you have your passionate opinions about retro wrestling. We know you like to talk about them. We know you like to ask questions, debate, discuss, disagree. And that's all welcomed at our group. The only thing that we ask you is don't be a jerk off about it. Right. Just be nice to each other. That would be good. It would be very, very nice. If you could just keep it civil. That's all we're saying. That doesn't mean agree with everything. You don't have to hold hands and sing Kumbaya. Yeah. I mean, you you can, I guess. All we're asking you to do is be nice to each other. No personal attacks and things like that. Mm. Talk about the old wrestling. It'll be great. It really will. So if you have a Facebook, if you still have one of those... You can join our group. All right. With that said, we also have a Patreon. It's if you want extra OVP content. We're not doing this to get rich. We're not trying to steal your money. We're not trying to rip you off, okay? If you like what we do, you want more of it, you go to patreon.com slash OVP podcast. You get two separate shows, the weekly Friday show, the 1984 canon, as we're going through every episode of WWF Championship Wrestling. That's every Friday. And you can also get the WWF pay-per-view reviews. That's every pay-per-view in order once a month, we started at the first WrestleMania and out right now, King of the Ring 1994. Quinn, we finally found out, well, kind of, how much everyone we weighed. We got to wait. Yep. We, we got to look into that piece that is King of the Ring 1994. <laughs> got to see the new generation like Jerry Lawler and Roddy Piper. Yeah, I, I'm always for them. <laughs> yes, like, so. that's, that's the new generation to me. That's the new gen. So if you want to take part of that, you get every pay-per-view review and the 1984 canon. That is over on Patreon patreon.com slash ovp podcast but quinn another season has wound down wow this is it amazing and our opening segment for this season has been a fun one in my opinion we've taken a lot of suggestions they've been great there's a lot that we obviously can't get to but it's a segment where we've been talking about people that were really successful popular over whatever word you want yeah, to use those right things they really worked wherever they were whether it was in territories, maybe WCW, Jim Crockett promotions, the South, you know, Memphis, places AWA, like AWA, I don't know. Even AWA. But for whatever reason, in the WWF, it just didn't work for some reason. No good. And this is a segment that we have been calling Anywhere But New York.
2: I'm in a New York state of
3: mind. <laughs> unfortunate hideous (laughs) so yeah this one is not a suggestion this is something that quinn and i agreed upon and it's started as a bit of joke in my mind because a lot of the finale segments that we do (laughs) involve a general discussion about wrestling in some way they do and i i have on the side folks For you, I've been fighting the first not to do this. (laughs) Yes. So, like, Quinn, last year, we did Unsung Heroes, if you recall, right? right? Yeah. And Quinn told me on the side, this wasn't on the show, he's like, we're not going to do Unsung Heroes wrestling, are we? Yeah. And I'm like, no, no, no. But this time, (laughs) and I think it'll be a fun discussion, I really do. Now, I'm I'm being very facetious and funny. We're doing, anywhere but New York, wrestling. Yeah.
2: Why is it a good thing? Because only the tough survive. That's the reason you ain't in it. And this punk holding the camera reading, he ain't in it. Reading these rednecks out here ain't in it, because it's a tough business.
3: Now, what do we really mean by that? Well, Quinn, the WWF, uh, especially from like the mid-80s onward. Known as the World Wrestling Federation, <laughs> you know. This is correct. This is
2: Vince McMahon reporting for the World Wrestling Federation. The greatest professional wrestling extravaganza of all time, known as Russell Mania.
4: My name is Russell
3: But they did not call their product wrestling, Quinn. What did they call it? Sports entertainment. For over 50 years, the revolutionary force in sports entertainment. So sports entertainment is something that WWF is now kind of derided for, kind of criticized for. They've even... They changed WWE from being an initialism to just the name of the company. Oh, yeah. It's not the official name. No, it doesn't stand for anything. We can't have wrestling in our public name. And people like CM Punk, when he went to AEW, you know, very repeatedly, and a lot of guys do elsewhere, call it pro wrestling, pro wrestling, pro wrestling.
1: It's all just, again, it always goes back to this Vince trying to strip wrestling out of wrestling. Right. You know. Rightfully so. I think a lot of people take umbrage with that. I don't think that's like a weird thing to be mad about. I don't either. Like, You know know what what I mean? Like, what what are we watching here? Like, seriously. Because
3: at the end of the day, the core product is still people uh, having matches in a wrestling ring. In their underpants, as we always say. (laughs) Yes.
1: (laughs) Whoever strips
0: their opponent to their underwear first wins.
3: But Quinn, I want to ask you something. In your observation as a wrestling fan for as long as you've been, what is the difference between what Vince McMahon calls sports entertainment and what the more traditionalists would call pro wrestling. There's
1: like a more technical aspect.
3: Like when I think of like, what is pro
1: wrestling, right? I know this isn't good, but there can be good versions. I think of like, you know, Vern Gagne and like holds and, you know, we're going to wrestle for 60 minutes and it's all technical and technical this, technical that and Gordon rolling Soli. around submission
3: holds. Like that's wrestling, right? Spinning toe holds. Yeah. Abdominal stretches. Yeah. Yeah.
0: They're really scuffling around here trying to feel each other out, aren't
3: they? By
1: the way, that's the old school. I think that's developed more like I even think like to this nowadays, like, even like that lucha libre style, I consider more of a pro wrestling style. Which right? has been around a while too, right, but yeah. more prominently in North America that, well in so, the US. Yeah, I don't want to put wrestling in a box, if you will. Sure. I just think it's more moves based. How about that more vague?
3: More athletic competition based, right? right? Yeah. And one of the things, and this is not a criticism, it's just an observation, that a lot of the fans of Jim Crockett promotions during the eighties and nineties of and WCW would say is, you know, this is the more realistic athletic based competition, right? Right. But what does that really mean? Because if you look at what the WWF is doing, aren't they doing a lot of the same moves? Aren't they doing a lot of the same holds? Yes, and you know what I'm saying? I think it's more the spirit behind Ah, what they're
1: doing. The spirit behind it. For example, the the thing that always gets me the WWF like difference, right? Like their main stars, you know, they'll look at the crowd and then they'll spin their arm and then punch them. Like you know what I mean? Like like silly shit like that is more common. Way back to the Hogan days, right? And what I mean, even the whole match will build up to like somebody coming back. Unrealistically, like Hulk, hulking up, or there you, you know, go. like something like that, and, and really pandering to the crowd, which in a real fight you wouldn't just, be concerned with doing, right? Right, you'd just be like, I got to win, right? It's like, but okay. in, in the in the everything is played to the crowd. That seems to be the the primary difference. There might be moves. Well,
2: tonight the gorgeous one,
1: gorgeous George
2: himself, the old toast of to the coast.
3: Do you think part of the difference in perception? And presentation comes from the fact that starting in the mid 80s particularly because we we saw a lot of the early 80s right vince mcmahon's wwf they really started to turn their product into what i guess you can call consumables meaning superstars of wrestling and challenge these are bite size you know they air after saturday morning cartoons sometimes in certain markets Mm -hmm. where you're getting a long you're getting a lot of different characters in a very quick, rapid-fire, short attention span amount well, yeah. of time.
2: You'll see the top stars of the World Wrestling Federation. Join Vince McMahon, Jesse Body" Ventura, and Bruno Sam Martino at Side for great action.
1: That takes away from the realism. Like, for example, why would a match, even with a jobber, like
3: in real life, you're just fighting a grown-ass man. So it's the larger-than-life aspect of yeah, things, right? Uh, you know what I mean? Let me ask you another question, though. How do you compare or contrast that to... We've seen a lot of wrestling doing the show for five years to some of those same length television programs that have maybe three matches. And a lot of them are really long.
2: Uh, today's card of Atlantic Raw Free wrestling is just about to get underway.
1: What's more entertaining oh, to you? Well, obviously when I get to see 23 matches in, in 45 minutes is way better. Okay. Why is that? First of all, like I always say about the opener and I joke about this, but it's true. It's like, if you open the show, they're all yelling. They're like, we're going to have some great matches here, right? Blah, 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 right? Good matches. It's going to be great in the big time, right? You get in, and then the first match, somebody's going to fucking sleeper hold for 10 minutes, and you're like,
3: what did I sign up for? Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this is boring. Is part of that, because of our perception that, growing up as WWF fans, that everything that WWF did on TV, for the most part, is supposed to build, especially in the pay-per-view era, to something that matters? Retroactively, do we think, well... All of these matches are just on this NWA program. I'm watching; they don't matter. Is that why we don't care as much? No, maybe. You know I know what I'm saying. I I really think that it it's how how it's presented. There's just a
1: way. There's something to the idea of sports entertainment, right? It actually is entertaining, correct? <laughs> like it's not just a sport or yeah, presented as all, one. It's all just to certain people, right? For example, there's people who like um, the UFC, right? Yes, they do they're actually entertained by the art of the holds and seeing these guys a lot of times when i watch a ufc fight um how many fights they're just rolling around and like to the layman they're like what the fuck is this right it's sure. like why why is everyone so excited he just like kind of rolled on his back a little bit and then like, choked him or something yeah but to certain other people who watch that and maybe they've read up on it or they've seen other fights. They're an enthusiast. They're, they're, they're enthusiasts. They're like, wow, I really appreciate. How did he like get him into that the right? technique? Because right? the other guy is fighting back. And that's the thing is that, two. there's two different perspectives there. Some people are here not for fucking that shit. They're here for like, I want to see somebody get their ass whooped in like a minute. I want to see that
3: 450 pound guy sit on another guy.
4: Right. If you claim to be a real pro wrestling fan. You would learn to love all promotions no matter if they're new or old.
1: Does that make them a bad fan, though? I don't think so. I think it's just a perception of, like, what it is. Honestly, that sports entertainment way of things, to me, it appeals to, weirdly, a more, like, this might sound opposite, but it appeals to a more nerdy aspect, and I'll explain why, because that's more of, like, the comic book nerd superhero loving like fan they're more interested in the story the matches are like kind of secondary they're kind of there to like establish like wow, that guy's really strong there's really like very basic things i notice in sports entertainment it's like there's just like this guy is more powerful than this guy like that is something that's like crucial and that's like why the matches need to be short almost like the shorter the like more impressive like wow that guy is like He just, like, flicked that guy off him. You know what I mean?
3: You hit upon something interesting with the story thing you said. I'm going to use a sports analogy just as an example, but you know the famed uh, Red Sox-Yankees rivalry, and we can use the ALCS in 2003 and 2004 as an example. Sure. If you just look at them as baseball games, the baseball enthusiast would appreciate the games, right? But beyond that, and the reason that was such a hot feud, so to speak, is because of the story, correct? Of the Yankees and Red Sox, I think when you have both working together, that's where Vince's version of sports entertainment, or just pro wrestling in general, that's where it really shines. Right.
1: I mean, a perfect example of that a lot of people will always point out is the Macho Man versus Ricky Steamboat. Right. Yeah, you got perfect. You got the story. You got the wrestling. You got it. You got both of it. And actually, I've I've heard some people say that's really the first time they ever put you know the peanut butter and the jelly together and really hit home and like that is why that kind of match was the ideal for a certain time period because it's like okay we put the wrestling and we put the story you know we put the big moves we put the sports entertainment to yeah the angle leading up to but it we was also the ring bell we thing. also inserted the wrestling into it and like it yeah. just everything clicked
2: but the champion's still in control now a small package by the dragon
3: Is that match not pro wrestling? It's both. That's the thing, is it's perfect. That's when it's done right. Now, a lot a of fusion, people, if you will, is, is really the goal. Very good point. And a lot of people will point to, and rightfully so, the WWF's use of cartoonish gimmicks in the mid-90s. Hello,
2: everybody. My name is Slurman Pluck. My friends, they call me Sparky. Who
3: cares? And I don't like them, and I didn't then, and I was watching then. And I totally that was just a crutch. Totally if you ask me. Yeah, that was just we're out of ideas for right.
1: stories and characters. It's like let's just make people something and then just go with it. We'll figure it out
3: later. Right. But a lot of people, you know, you can call Hulk Hogan a cartoon character, and that's cool. And the Ultimate Warrior and the Macho Man cartoon characters and Teddy DiBiase during the hottest period, is it a bad thing, Quinn? For a business to want to commercialize their product to the point where it is a brand of entertainment, where it is—is is that a bad thing? Even though if it's not a critical darling, is it bad to do that? It's only bad if your fans are not conditioned
1: for it. For example, right, like WW and yeah, the other like WW. Like if you if you attracted all these people to your product because you had good wrestling, and then one day you said, and eh, we're just gonna make it like the competition," which everyone's fucking here in the first place because they don't. Like the competition, absolutely. Right? Then, then, <laughs> right. like, like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, then, right. then, then, you, then you've betrayed your audi- your core audience, and you're trying to get an audience that's already in the hands of somebody else. So you're, you're making it extra hard, right? You know,
3: that's an excellent point. That's a um. We're obviously referencing, folks, the Jim Herd era of WCW in right. the early '90s, where he really did make it very akin to WWF at the time.
2: From Web City, weighing 238 pounds.
1: But to be fair, I thought Eric Bischoff, in especially in like 1995 or whatever, mm-hmm. he did a good job of taking what the WWF had dropped and kind of applying it and being able to successfully pivot his product towards sports entertainment. Does sure. that make sense? Because the WWE was trying something different.
3: Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think that the stigma of sports entertainment has gotten worse over the years. Part of that is probably just, but let me ask you a question. This is not a criticism of anyone. Please don't send me angry letters. And if you want to, it's Ogden, Utah. But AEW, right, is you know known as now like the pro wrestling promotion. Right? And that's cool. Is Luchasaurus pro wrestling or is that sports entertainment? Honestly, if I watch the moves
1: that Luchasaurus does, that he's more of a wrestler. Yeah, but okay, watch the moves Doink does. Right. He's more of a wrestler too. Yeah. I just mean to say, it's like, I think, that like they said, the spirit of, of the guys in AEW. Mm-hmm. The AEW is like a little hybrid, in my it's opinion. sports entertainment, it's sp- too. Yes, it's got a little bit of sports entertainment. It's what I like to call that indie style of wrestling, right? Yeah, that, 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 that
3: ROH brought to the forefront. Ring of Honor,
1: like, it appeals more to a live crowd. You know, I've seen Lutasaurus, and I see the stuff he does, and I can see how you're in a live building, and you're seeing this guy He's when he's kind of a bigger guy doing okay. some of this stuff, and that to a live crowd can be very appealing, right? Is Kofi Kingston
3: not a pro wrestler? He's definitely a pro wrestler. What I'm yeah. trying to the yeah. the line I mean, I'm trying he's to, definitely a sports entertainer too. That's the point I'm trying to make: is is it really yeah. that much different these days? And maybe it is, folks, because I know the WWF WWE I'm running around of time is hideously overproduced, over choreographed, over everything, right? Yeah. Is that now the new stigma for what they represent as sports entertainment the over homogenized produced aspect of it that's their problem
1: that's what they're what i think they're trying to escape ultimately because you know some people not to get too much into the weeds of what's going on now but a lot of people are complaining oh all these people are getting fired and stuff like that which you never want to see
3: anyone lose their job
1: but i think there's a there's a there's an aspect to that that I think the, the current whatever's going on over there is stale as hell. And maybe they're, they're trying to refresh That's a little bit. yeah. It's also just business and COVID and stuff like that. Sure, But I think there's definitely the style of what the hell's going on in wrestling in general. I think AEW's eating their lunch. I they, agree with they're you. They're leaning into more of the pro wrestling
3: aspect, but they're still sports entertaining. 100%. Right. Is John Cena versus CM Punk from Money in the Bank 2011 not pro wrestling? It's both. Like we used to be like we're saying. What does CM Punk do now in AEW? Is yeah. that is, there's no sports entertainment but, in that? But I guess the point is
1: people like people like that balance. Yeah. better than they like whatever's going on over there. Right. And they should right, right. now. Yeah. Truthfully, I, yeah, I, I watched that product, and I don't.
3: I don't even know what they're trying to present me anymore. WWE. That,
1: yes, I, I really. It's I'm, very I'm, confusing. I'm, I'm very, I I really don't understand at all.
3: So we've gone beyond the whole sports entertainment versus pro wrestling thing with WWE. The last what? 10 years maybe 5 years yeah. where it's not it's just a mess at this it, point I don't know
1: what what <laughs> is it sports entertainment is it pro wrestling I'm not sure what the fuck it is but somebody over there needs to figure out what the fuck they want to do <laughs> like you know what I mean like because yeah. it's confusing to watch it and this isn't just the usual like rant of like everything sucks everything sucks oh man we go over another terrible edition of Monday Night Raw Listen, like we've talked about how in the last five years, there's been stuff that the, the World Wrestling Entertainment has done that's been okay and, and actually very entertaining. It, um, consistently. Every year, there's good stuff. Right. But I think in the last two-ish years, I think really... Now, again not we're not a serious wrestling podcast but in the no, last two not. years i really think this not having an audience and having to do wrestling for a full year and not in front of an audience really kind of made everyone take stock of like you got to see all the the crowd just ripped out of it and you got to see the raw product and it was like almost like how the sausage is made and it was not very appealing and when they got back to audiences you're like what the fuck am i watching like what is this product
3: yeah, and again, a lot of that just has to do with the way they're produced also. It just is, you, you mentioned it earlier, the playing to the crowd thing is now almost a, a requirement to look at the right camera at the right time and and walk in the right place and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, and then you saw how that works when there is no crowd. Yeah, well, I think we've, we've touched upon enough of the WWE, AEW stuff. I guess just to roll it back to the whole stigma of sports entertainment versus pro wrestling as it's traditionally known. I'm not here to say that I look down upon either of those things Mm -hmm. because I quite enjoy when I'm in the right frame of mind. I do enjoy watching some of the more traditional stuff like Gordon solely calling a technical wrestling match. I like it, but I think you said it earlier, Quinn about how with the UFC example, Mm -hmm. there's the casual person that just turns it on and they don't really appreciate it because they're just a casual observer. And I think when the WWF was at its best at doing that was two eras the late 80s, main event one from 88 being the prime example in my mind. Mm -hmm. Maybe WrestleMania three main event one, you know, that era, 1989 also.
4: Mm -hmm.
3: And the Attitude Era of 98, 99. Late 97. Where you could hook people with big, impressive, different-looking things, relatable things, cartoonish things, but then they stick around for the more nuanced stuff. I think they did that really well. And I also think that there is still a great segment of the audience that appreciates the holds and exchanges and all those things, you know? And I, again, when I'm in the right frame of mind, I like that stuff, but yeah. like, I like music, right? And I'm a musician.
4: Well, lody frickin da.
3: So I have a little bit of a knowledge of, okay, well that's a cool chord change. I wouldn't have thought of that or something. Whereas right. someone that doesn't know anything about music. Like me. <laughs> I just want it to be catchy and fun. To there listen you go. To, you right? just want it to sound good. Yeah. Right. Just because I sometimes have an understanding of the theory behind how a song is written or what they're doing, or, or this song sounds just like that song I've seen that before, doesn't mean that I won't turn on something that's very catchy or a one-hit wonder and be entertained by it. Right. I think you can do both and and be both. And, and I th- inter-
1: wrestling's interesting because with a with a wrestling card, you can have eight matches and you can position each match to be a type of thing. Right. Yes. For a, di- for a different type of
3: person, what's a bathroom break for somebody might be what that other person is came there to see yes exactly exactly and that's kind of the beauty of it yeah i think it boils down to tell me what you think when done properly it's a fusion like you said it's a balance it's a balance where if it's just straight matches 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 with no real story and no real characters match that's going to appeal to a much narrower audience right and also get repetitive and also get kind of boring when it's too much emphasis on just characters, 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 but then nothing that they do in the ring stands out, bro. and there's nothing interesting going on, that's going to get bland and repetitive. There's also the other trap that
1: WWE falls into a lot of times where, I've heard them say this a million times in documentaries, is that we're trying to be something for everybody. Yes. There's also a danger to that. There's too many different directions you go into. Sometimes they do that also. Have you ever noticed that? Agreed, yeah. Um. Because... And I get why they're doing that sure. because that that because that's like we we're saying the balance of that is chef's kiss. Oh, this is such a great thing when it when it hits everybody. Right. Yep. but the other side of the coin is sometimes there's just so many disparate different things going on in one card. And you're like, this is disorganized. And, you know, there's so many things I don't want to watch because it's for so many different kind of people.
3: That's true. There there really is like a balance. If you have something for everybody then you wind up having nothing for everyone right you know yeah, for the collective. exactly so it's really just like you you
1: need to identify okay what are the vast majority of these people here to watch that's a great like, point what, like what like you know what i mean yeah. you have to you have to have matches that appeals so like maybe you have four different kind of people watching this thing i think every match has to first appeal to, like, your main core audience, like, every single match. Sure. And each and every other match has to, that that one match that appeals to everyone has to appeal to one segment also. You have to really take stock, it seems like, what different style of what you're doing here.
3: You're totally right because not yeah. everyone is there for the comedy matches. Some yeah. people hate that shit but some people love it. And your core audience is going to just love everything you do. Right. right, the real diehards, right? Right. And then some people really don't give a shit about the hardcore match but other people love it right. you know, and vice versa. And, so- and, and, and your best hope is if you start crossing audiences
1: like maybe just as an example maybe the audience that likes the hardcore also likes the comedy so then you have you know, you have a comedy match and a hardcore match and then you've got now you've got two matches that appeal to...
3: Three different audiences, core, hardcore, and comedy. Comedy, yeah, yeah. lighthearted stuff. Yeah. So I think no matter whether it's pro wrestling, whether it's sports entertainment, whatever you want to call it, it's at its best when it is both fun, entertaining, serious, and where the action in the ring, because that does matter. I know I always like to be a match, mm-hmm. and that's to be funny. Yeah, ha, ha, ha. But... The stuff still has to deliver. Like what they put, you know, you could have like a, a great cast in a movie and a great story, but if the, if the lines are delivered poorly, you know, mm-hmm. if the, if the performances suck, then it's going to drag it down. Right. Yeah. So when all the elements come together, the story, the talent and delivering in the ring, then you have a perfect blend, so to speak, of yeah. the sports entertainment aspect and the wrestling. I think one thing I want to end on with this,
1: right, is that it's always said that when wrestling is done right, you can't touch it. It's like you realize why you're here. Some people will even say it's better than any form of entertainment when it's done. There's nothing right. like it. There's no or there's nothing like it. Right. That is kind of the trick to this whole wrestling sports entertainment balance. It's really just melding everything together. And when it's done right, you got your Macho Man versus Ricky Steamboat. You've got your Hogan Andre. You got honestly. your Hogan Andre. You You've got, got your f- CM Punk John Cena. Yeah. You got you, you got that. And that is really what the aim is. And I think over the years they kind of went to ruts where they can't figure out what that is. But if you keep trying to do professional wrestling and sports entertainment, eventually something's gonna stick,
3: right? You know, <laughs> yeah, you're gonna you go. find a character or something. Something's so. gonna stick. Uh huh. I like that coin, because that yeah. is true. Well, folks, thank you guys for sticking with us here for 250 episodes of OVP. Let us know your thoughts on wrestling. Again, this was kind of like a lighthearted, but fun and thought-provoking way to end the season on this segment here. Right. Uh, anywhere but New York. We thank you guys for all of your suggestions. And again, we thank you for being with us here. But guess what? When we come back, it is the final flush of the season. That's right. The last two names are coming out of the tank. We're going to see where they rank. It is the royal flush of WWF pay-per-views. And that is coming up right after this.
0: I am the entertainer, and I know just where I stand. Another serenader, and another long-haired band. Today I am your champion. I may have won your hearts,
2: but I know the game you forget my name. And I won't be here in another year if I don't stay on the charts. From the pages of the World Wrestling Federation official merchandise catalog, here's Dusty Rhodes. This is Dusty Rose, and you know what? I got my hands full in the World Wrestling Federation, and full of what? Come in here, darling. We gonna show him some stuff. I got the official WWF merchandising catalog stuff right here. You can order it out of that catalog. I'm gonna tell you in a minute how to get it. Look at here. We got a WWF hat right here. Look how fine that looks on Dusty Rose. And what else we got? Woo, Sapphire, come on in here, baby. We got an Ultimate Warrior Suck Cup. And you can take this cup, put milk in it, juicy, whatever you want to do, what else we got? Oh, look at here, oh, a belt, you can be a champion, everybody can be a champion, just like all the great stars in the World Wrestling Federation. And what else, darling, right here? Oh, show that, that's my favorite, hold that up there. Dusty Rose, official t-shirt, throw that up there at the camera. Oh, is that pretty, and let me tell you, merchandise catalog, genuine, the only place you can get it right to this address, right now. Woo, the WWF official merchandise catalog, brother, got all kind of stuff in it. You know what I'm talking about? And it's the stuff dreams are made of.
3: And now back to the best wrestling podcast
2: no one's ever heard of,
3: O-V-P. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our vantage point, the retro wrestling podcast, episode 250, here on Monday, December 6, 2021. Quinn is still with me here. I, I'm still around. All these years, Michael. i, I met many 250 of them. Good to have one you one here. On podcast a year. That's right. Couldn't do it without Michael well, I'll Quinn, see everybody. here for 251. And there we go. Yeah. Round of applause yeah. for Mr. Quinn. Uh, Reminds us, folks, just so you know, next week we will be here, but it won't be 251. It will be a break episode or have a very special review for you. Right. That'll be six months from now. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, so be sure to tune in. You know how you tune in because it's the radio yeah tune be sure to tune in next week we will be here and then episode 251 will be in two weeks from now but Michael like we mentioned at the top of the show we do have a Patreon uh, and as it's been for as long as we've had it we're not trying to get rich here and we're not trying to rip people off we aren't we really don't take you guys for granted that donate and if you've been thinking about donating listen it's the beginning of a month now why don't you try it for December See what you think for the rest of the month. And if you don't like it, you don't have time to listen, whatever the case may be, just cancel by the end of the month. Yeah, treat yourself. Yeah, we won't be offended if you cancel. Five bucks gets you a wealth of content. Yep, and that content is on patreon.com slash podcast. You're going to get the 1984 canon that we mentioned. It comes out every week. That's right. You get a whole different Weekly show, and in all seriousness, I'm not just saying this. People really do look forward to this one. They do. They talk about it on the Facebook you see group. See the group. Yeah, and the group lights up every week for the canon. Yeah, it's it's a fun time. The free ones are available on our YouTube channel, the older ones, and on this podcast feed, because mm-hmm. it's video or audio form. But if you want to get the new ones, get caught up and get going with it. Here, we're in the Cindy Lauper era already. You might as well start now. Yeah, this is this is the time to come in. Yeah, things are things are a changing. Things are definitely a changing. That's two dollars a month. And then the full $5 a month, it's the highest tier we offer. That gets you the 84 canon, and it also gets you, like we mentioned, the monthly WWF pay-per-view reviews these are long reviews. They're like three something hours usually. They're meant to be your present for the month. They're your present for the month. Some people kill them in an entire afternoon the day they come out, which is cool. Some people just gradually listen to them throughout the month. Mm -hmm. You choose how you want to do that, but you get every single one back to the first WrestleMania up to King of the Ring 94 right now. It's crazy. So if you join now, it's going to take you like a really long time. So you're getting like a ton of stuff for $5. So if you just want to give it a shot again, we, no pressure. We understand some people don't do that that's cool. We also understand some people can't do it. And that's why I always say if you just want to try it out for a month, just message me on Twitter or on Facebook and I will see if I can work something out with you. Okay. Because we don't take you guys for granted. We're really thankful that you even want to support us. And ultimately, we're just thankful that you're listening to our damn show to begin with. Yeah. Seriously. And thank you for being a friend. And thank you for being a friend, Blanche. So, with that said, Michael, it is the final royal flush of the season. And I'm sorry to my friends that we have to. Go through these awful, <laughs> awful pay-per-views. Yes, but we do. Now, in case you're new here, what is the Royal Rankings and the Royal Flush? Well, each season before the season starts, we ask you, the fans, to give us a list of your top 10 of something and your bottom 10 of something. And also a reminder, tomorrow is the deadline. Whoa! Well, if you want to vote in next season's Royal Flush and Royal Rankings, we're doing Royal Rumble matches. Do it on our Facebook group. Do it now. Pause the show if you have to, but vote if you want your voice heard. And basically what we do is once we get your top 10 and your bottom 10, we put them in a two separate tanks, one for the best, one for the worst, and then we rank them. That way, by the end of the season, what you have is the Definitive Certified Organic Baptizer Day, non-UMO USA, Certified Organic, and Healthy. Best and worst WWF pay-per-views of all time. And we finished the Royal Rankings last week. We did. That's over with. It's in the bag. It's in the can. Yeah, it's not, it's etched in stone. Oh, yeah. It's in the Observer. Can't touch it. Check it. Yeah. <laughs> it's too legit to quit, quit. Yeah. No. But we do have eight on the board right now for the Royal Flush. This is the worst pay-per-views. I'm going to run them down for you. At number one, rightfully so, it's a piece of ass. I hate it. <laughs> it's bad. King of the Ring 95. Cruddy pay-per-view. And just behind it, also cruddy, WrestleMania 11. 1995 th- with <laughs> yes. over here. Number three. In Your House 4 from October of 95. Another 1995 beauty over here. Yeah, yeah a real gem. Ugh. Number four, the wrestling classic. That thing sucks. It's not good. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Don't
1: watch it. <laughs> Unless you... Honestly, the only part anybody should ever watch in the wrestling classic is, for humor's sake, the Michael Hamley segment with Lord. Oh, they announcing give away the, car. the car. Yeah, That's that, about it. The best part of the whole show.
3: Number five, understandably so. It's not good. I just love it, but it's not good. Is WrestleMania 9. Stinky. It's not good. Number six, Survivor Series 93. It's surprisingly bad, Survivor Series 93. It's that hearts match, man. It's also
1: Survivor Series. There should be more Survivor Series on here. Yeah, there's only one. Look at that. That's unbelievable to me.
3: Number seven, I have no problem with this, but whatever. It's uh, No Holds Barred, the match the movie. It's dookie. (laughs) Yes, it is, Quinn. And number eight. In your house, beware of dogs. Speaking of dog Dookie, <laughs> One and two. Yeah. Woof. Yeah. Woof. Woof. <laughs> so anyway, those are the eight on the board. We're going to bring out two more to end the season here. But before we do that, Quinn, a good pay-per-view is something that people anticipate. Mm-hmm. Not only that, it delivers, right? The main event might be really, really good. Some of the other matches might be really good. It's memorable. It's well-produced. It doesn't drag. You are entertained consistently for like three hours. Quinn, what is a bad pay-per-view? unmemorable not good matches sometimes it's
1: even like stunted and broken and like there's not like the lights go out. And they, like it's just, it's not a good time. You're basically left at the end. You're like, why did I pay sixty dollars for this? There, in the case of maybe nowadays, why did I pay for WWE Network Peacock edition? Right.
3: Why did I? Wa- why did I waste a Sunday on this? Yeah. You know,
1: yeah, that's another thing. Why did I waste a Sunday? <laughs> no, I got like to work. <laughs> you know, the funny part with pay per views nowadays is like because now it's like bundled with Peacock. You can't even complain too much that you wasted money because well you might watch some other content on there that month. So maybe it's worth it. This is true, yeah. Some other show. That's how they. That's how they stop you from getting too like annoyed that you watch this, right? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Well, no, yeah, but you still have everything else. Oh, you could still watch Golden Girls repeats or something. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, you don't have to watch this crap. Golden
3: Girls is a tremendous show. By I the way, I think that might be on Peacock because it's NBC related. It's a great show. NBC Canon. NBC Canon. Anyway, folks, yeah. we have the eight on the board right now. We're pulling out two more, but before we do that, we must go down to Howard Finkel for the final flush. Ladies and gentlemen, it is
4: now time for the Royal!
3: The loser of this match. Kissing the other one's foot. Nassau Coliseum 8486. Yes.
2: A on horizon in Chicago, Illinois. It's the WWF Wrestling Classic. Welcome to WrestleMania Four. Sunday, April fourth, from Caesars Palace in Las Vegas. And now,
3: WrestleMania Eleven. It's the final flush. Here we are. The worst. WWF pay-per-views of all time. The tank, the tank is just about yeah. could we the huge. The tank is just always a- that's really pay. enough. The tank is empty, and uh we're gonna finally be finalizing Quinn. Right. Worst ten WF pay per views. Horrible, yeah. hideous shows that not good. E- everything on this list you shouldn't watch. Now some people have said one of them is a gym fanatic. Has said, you know, why isn't our newer stuff on here? And and listen, I get that. Hey, uh, it's because hey. most of our fans are retro fans. May, may not have seen the newer stuff
1: yeah and I, I feel like i think we've said this before past a certain point people stopped caring about like if it was good or not because yeah. it was just like everything's not as good as it was so right. at that point what are the standards are yeah. so low it doesn't even <laughs> like you don't even like get upset about a bad pay-per-view anymore yeah because this point it's like wow it's surprising it's actually it's i will say this it's an accomplishment to be a fucking horrible pay-per-view in the modern times yeah, because like you to have to be, really stand out. Yeah, like to be so
3: memorably bad. Yeah, that's like, a good point. It's, it's kind of hard. Yeah, even though I don't agree with every pick that got voted in here, I wouldn't have all of these on my worst list. They are pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and guess what? We're going to find out the last two. You ready? Sure. Let's go down to the fans as they count us down to number nine.
2: Five, four, Tonight, our new ECW world champion will be crowned Side,
3: the December <laughs> to dismember. Just as we were saying,
1: yeah, you know how modern, more modern
3: pay per views. <laughs> they can't be that bad, right? Woof, yeah, woof indeed. So this is from December third. We just passed the 15 year anniversary of this one, 2006. How is this retro now? By the way, this I, Crazy, I feel like right? I, I was watching this pay per view not that long ago. This one is um notoriously bad. It's December shady. dismember. Now what's interesting, Quinn? Is this is somewhat of a direct result of ECW's one night stand two thousand five going so well right. that they launched the ECW brand in May of two thousand six mm-hmm. and then ran a second one night stand in June, which was really good as well. That's yeah. the one where Cena loses to R V D. That's where they kind of crossed like the WWE more so with ECW.
1: This is where they started trying to, you know, brand synergy and we're gonna have yeah, two and yada
3: Very corporate. The fucking problem here is that when WWE launched their ECW brand, at first, and I mean at first, in the very early days of it in in 06, it was shot differently. Yes. It was lit differently. There was also vampires. Don't worry about that. Yeah. The, um... (laughs) That's the sports entertainment aspect. That's
1: also member because <laughs> they were on sci fi yes. and there was like I, I actually believe this because there's a lot of these networks that do stupid shit this like this real. where they say like, okay, you can put the we'll have this show on our network, but you gotta include this in it. Yeah. Like you have to have a sci fi element to it. Zombie. Yeah. Remember the, Zombie? There was the zombie one time appearance. And Boogeyman. And, and then Ian whatever that guy's name was. Yeah. Not, not Ian, but it doesn't matter. I, I don't even know his name. Doesn't, he, Kevin Thorne? He, he, I don't and he know. He had Elvira girl with him. Yeah. It's, it it was it's all bad. Esmeralda. I don't remember her name.
3: <laughs> like, But in the very early days, they did try to differentiate it, but it wasn't long before it became just another WWE looking show. Oh, yeah. You know, and by the end of the year here, December of 2006, the overall product on WWE, Raw and SmackDown, it's not that bad, honestly, during this period of time. It's pretty good. There's some good stuff going on. It's not amazing. Mm. But the ECW brand does not in any way, shape or form reflect that. To me, it's like the husk of ECW is what's left. Yeah, a husk is a good way to put it. There's really
1: nothing. I mean, when I'm looking at this card right now, there's very little ECW on it.
3: That's the point. Yeah. Yeah, it's not. Now, the main event here, just so we all know, is an elimination chamber for the ECW World Championship, which at the time was held by Big Show. Why? Didn't this have something to do that in real life? Paul Heyman like
1: really liked Maybe. Paul White for whatever Maybe. reason. He, He's a likable guy. I always thought that Paul Heyman, just on an aside, I always thought that Paul Heyman saw what they did to Big Show and said... They fucked that up. I could have made that better. This is horrible. Yeah, like, I, I really got that impression <laughs> from Paul Heyman. Like, that he, like, took the Big Show as, like, a pet project. Maybe. Like, that they, he's like, they fucked this shit up. I'm going to go fix Big Show. Like, he's not going to lose on what I'm booking.
3: What's crazy like, is, it, is Big Show's there almost eight years at this point. Right. Isn't that insane? I know. If you think about it, it's seven crazy. years. Yeah, it's just Like, I'm telling me. you, this is, like, the Paul Heyman, like, reclamation project for Big Show right now. Maybe. Maybe. So he's defending the title, and in the elimination chamber, we've got Bobby Lashley, who's relatively new at this point. And this was a Vince directive. That's a Vince pre- project, right? So this is this is the this is the theme of this show, right? Yes, and it's Vince and Paul battling for con- the heart of what's left of the husk of ECW. The husk, yeah, because Paul Heyman was um, writing for ECW at this right. time. Also, in this match is Test. Mm-hmm. Okay, Rob Van Dam, an actual ECW guy. Now, hardcore Holly is in this because he's a sub for Sabu, who was injured. Sparky plug himself. I had had enough of him by 06. <laughs> I had enough of him by like 02. Him,
1: to be like honest. just cursing for no reason, <laughs> like you know, you know how he would do. It? Yeah. He does it in like the uncool way.
3: Yeah, like he's yeah. like a dad trying to be hip. Yeah, to his like, teenager son's friends. I just friends. said bullshit. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like he, he he
1: isn't that cool. Hardcore Holly stinks. I'm sorry, like. He's no good. But he's so tough,
3: Quinn. Yeah, Do you Is care? he? That, yeah, allegedly. But anyway, he's a candy dish or whatever. That's, is, <laughs> is that why? Your candy dish, I, yeah. Anyway, he's a sub for Sabu. CM Punk, who was also rather new in the WWE at the time. Which CM Punk was brought in again
1: at the behest of Paul Heyman. Yes. He saw him in the Ring of Honors there. Another guy that Paul Heyman
3: really saw something in,
1: he, right? You know, it's really kind of sad to me that like Paul Heyman is really their only window to like anything, shit. <laughs> anything outside of them that's
3: good. Like unless Paul Heyman notices it, they don't really listen. He was even recommending people to them in the earlier nineties. You know, yeah,
1: they were. That's that's really how they got like, <laughs> like good people, people that
3: were not working for them. This is true, right?
1: It was like it's always like we should just we need
3: someone new. Let's go ask Paul. Well, like you know, I mean, there is a reason they paid him all those years, Quinn.
1: What I find ironic about that is like it's not very hard to find people that are good you know, outside of WWE. Like you can literally, you're a billion dollar company. You can't just go get
3: the fucking DVDs or tapes or whatever. And like, go find that shit. Well, according to you, all Vince has to do is do raw on a uh, Monday. And it's sometimes a pay-per-view on Sunday, right? Yeah. He should just be flipping through. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's anyway. so
1: it's, it's baffling to me that finding people is a,
3: a hard thing to them. I don't know what their deal is, yeah. but December to this member, like we said, December 3rd, 2006, uh, the attendance here is a whopping 4,800 people. Oof, and it's at the James Loof. Brown Arena, yeah. <laughs> James Brown Arena in Augusta, Georgia. The buy rate, Quinn, ninety thousand people. <laughs> Yuck. That would actually be their lowest buy rate until the network. Think about that. Yeah, that's almost eight. That's over seven years. Nothing was lower than this until the network obviously started taking away from pay per view buys. which Well, makes this sense. card on paper is hideous. Yeah, just that's looking the thing. at it, it's like I don't even.
1: I don't even think I bought it at the time. I've I think seen it I, once and I, that's it. I think I I maybe skipped through
3: it or something yeah. like on, on the network years later because it was like legendarily bad. Horrible. So there's one uh pre-show match and it was Stevie Richards, an actual ECW guy. Yes. And he was still around in 06. Mm-hmm. He defeated Rene Dupree. Big ECW yes. guy, Rene Dupree. Now this opener here, legitimately good. Memorable for one unfortunate spot, but a, a very, very good match. So the Hardys reunited, you know, doing good here. Matt and Jeff, they're still like young. They're in their early 30s here. Not old yet. Uh, they took on m M&M, and a team I actually liked at the time. I did too. That's Joey Mercury, Johnny Nitro, Johnny Mundo, John Morrison. And they were, of course, managed by Molina. The is ter- other M. The other M. That's C-M-N-M. right. M&M. Look at all those M's. This is during the paparazzi gimmick. Yes. Which I liked. I, I, I had no problem with them. Yeah. They're a fun team. This is a good match. It's a long opener, but it's good. Wait, that's an M&M sandwich.
2: No peanut butter. Oh! oh, oh.
3: Swanton Bob finds the mark. That was awesome. Are you kidding me? That was cool. The next match features an ECW guy, Balls Mahoney. hmm I don't mind him. Do you like him? He's kind of like one of those like lower
1: tier ECW guys, but again, don't mind him. I, I mean, he fits the brand, right? Yeah. He fits he
3: fits the federation, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. yeah. Now he took on Matt Striker during his wrestling days, which yeah. is so funny, right? Cuz then he became the lucha. It's weird because yeah, announcer. I think of him
1: as the lucha announcer for the rest of my <laughs> life right. because he was so freaking good over yeah. there. If if you don't know like the greatness of like Matt Striker announcing, like if you're like what are they talking about With Matt Striker? Yeah, like the Matt Striker Vampiro like it's announced good. team is care. like one one of me and Joe's like favorite of all times. It's ridiculous. There's like storylines within- with them <laughs> within their like sphere of just doing VO for this fucking pre-taped
3: shit. Like it's weird. <laughs> and also I like and, and it's it's really stupid, but I really like how randomly he'll just curse sometimes. Yes. I'm like fuck! Yeah. Like Vampiro cur- like, it's yeah. weird. It's a great team. It's you, very funny to <sighs>
1: Can WWE like buy that? Stop. Tape?
3: It needs to be appreciated. Okay. Like, it's so good. Okay. Okay. That's sports drama, is yeah. what it's not even sports entertainment. It's, a it's different, sports drama. It's, it's
1: a different animal. Yeah. And it's
3: very good. Anyway, this was called a Strikers rules match what because is- my, Matt Striker's smart. Remember, he's like oh, a, a teacher. He's like Dean Douglas.
1: Yeah. <laughs> How ironic is that that ECW <laughs> responsible for Shane Douglas who then became Dean Douglas and now the Dean him, the new Dean Douglas is uh,
3: in ECW. Yeah, it's great. Lovely. Now the striker's rules match is, you know, to be annoying because it's no gouging of the eyes, no pulling hair, no top rope maneuvers. What is this, Rick Martel versus Shawn Michaels at Summer. <laughs> They're now hitting in the face. Therefore. Therefore. And most importantly, Quinn, no foul language. Right. That's one of the things. Anyway, Balls Mahoney wins. It's not good. I hate shit like that because it hits o- hit you over the head with
1: like ECW is improper or yeah, whatever. Even though it isn't in this like corporate ECW
3: garbage. This is very much corporate. ECW yes. babies edition. It is though. Like,
2: Field goal like kicked by Matt Stryker. Oh. Oh. And Stryker gets planted. It's be all for from Matt Stryker to it. dive zone.
3: The next one is Elijah Burke, who's pretty good in his own right as a wrestler. He, you'd also know him better maybe as the Pope later on. He teamed up with Sylvester Turkay. Is it Turkay? Turkay, whatever. I, I, I don't remember. This guy sucked. <laughs> yes. Like I remember he was like kind of fat
1: looking. I had never liked him. The
0: team of Elijah Burke
1: and Sylvester Turkay. What, what
3: now, they took on the FBI. We're really still running with this in 06. And uh, this is L- Little Guido and Tony Mamaluke. Again, this is like them.
1: Notice the last two matches. They're like, we got to have some ECW in there, Horrible right? Gwyn. The FBI is like, again, they're low tier. comedy. Like, they're comedy. But they're ECW through and
3: through, they to are. be fair. They are. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Burke and Turkay win here. Turkay. What doesn't matter. <laughs> then we got Davari. Who has Collie with him for fun. Is this
1: still when he was doing the thing where he would jump off the top rope on like a carpet or whatever? I don't
3: know, but it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> yeah. He defeated uh, Tommy Dreamer why not yeah. why the fuck not this is during the era where they anytime tommy dreamer would come out they go
1: ecw original like it's like <laughs> shut up like, like who cares
3: way, way too over the head with it yeah you know what like, i mean
1: they were ve- like this is the this was one of my primary issues with this ecw is like they would really be like look we're ecw yeah tommy dreamer <laughs> ecw original. like would say it on the cryon and shit like it's like shut the hell up
3: the chiron yes whatever now anyway Here's the Vampire Man. Yes. yes. So the next match is Kevin Thorne, the yeah. Vampire, teaming with Ariel, who you might know better if you're into other wrestling as Shelly Martinez. I don't oh, know. Oh, if- that's the same lady? Yeah, Shelly Martinez. Oh, I only know her as the Elvira lady. No. Yeah. Uh, Ariel. She, she does other things now? As Merelda Quinn. Huh. Uh, they defeated the team of Kelly Kelly, who, yeah, I, I don't mind Kelly Kelly, actually. <laughs> I'm not yeah, going to lie. Yeah, she seems
1: like a nice lady in real life.
3: Too. Yeah, she really does. <laughs> yeah. uh, and Mike Knox. Now, if you don't remember Mike Knox, he was kind of like a big, kind of bearded, hulking type of guy that was a little ugly. He also was in TNA as Nux. He kind of, to me, feels like the better looking Snitsky.
1: Yeah, if, if you know I what? don't know
3: how any other way to describe him, and if, and he was like in aces and eights and shit and Tina, but yeah, like a better looking Snitsky, the hair version of Snitsky, not bald yeah. Snitsky. Now him and Kelly, Kelly had some kind of um romance, romantic yeah. relationship that was
1: mean or something. Like he it was more like a macho man kind of thing going on. It wasn't good. Yeah, it
3: wasn't good. None of it was. In fact, just for fun, I'm going to give you Dave Meltzer's star rating on this. Sure, what is it? Negative one. Okay. Yeah, fair so- enough. We move on to the main I mean, event When now. you have a vampire versus like <laughs> a,
1: a, a crappy boyfriend. It's, it's like, a- it's like, what is this? Like, what are we watching here?
3: Yeah, what, what, what soap opera are we watching yeah. here? This week on Passions. Anyway, the main event is the uh, aforementioned Elimination Chamber match in case you care about the Order of Entrance. First was Hardcore Holly, then Rob Van Dam, CM Punk, Test, then the winner, Bobby Lashley, and then Big Show. Bobby Lashley won.
2: Show's gonna yeah. use
3: now you get like a weapon or something yeah, in this you like get your own we-
1: <laughs> come on <laughs> like what is this this is
3: so stiff this is the wwe we've talked about this before when they get their hands on something that was good they have this real knack of making it shitty this is their interpretation of what ECW is. This is right.
1: through the lens of uh, TVPG. I mean, it all feels like, it's like, let's give them, like, weapons. And I don't remember what the weapons look like, but I can guarantee you they're probably, like, softened to a point. Like, oh, I'm sure like, they are. It's all like, what what would be the Mattel version of, like, all these fucking things, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> like, like you Mattel know what I mean? Mattel
3: version. I'm serious, though, right? It's like. Okay. The fallout from this, though, is actually the more notable thing. Right. So, Paul Heyman was fighting tooth and nail with Vince on this. He really wanted CM Punk to win. And Vince was pulling for Bobby Loved Lashley. Loved Bobby Lashley. Now, I have nothing against Bobby Lashley. I really don't. I think that he has talent. I think he you was-
1: can, t- You can say these things. Personal aside, I've just, I mean, for whatever he, reason, I've never been a fan of Bobby he Lashley. He never caught on with me either. He never caught on with me. I, I I never could understand the appeal. Even to this day, I see him, I'm like- there, what is, I don't see any personality in this guy. That was a like, big I, problem. I don't really get it. Great look, great look. He's actually like in better shape than most people in
3: wrestling, right? Like, and not bad in the ring. Not amazing. Not blow you away, but not bad. Right? right. Like, capable. Could not talk during this period of time. I, he got better, but yeah. And I remember after this, you know, Vince really carried him all the way over. Remember, he feuded with Cena. And they, 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 they were hyped just, the fuck out of that match. They thought this guy was going to be it. The next but, Cena. Yeah. And he wasn't. They really did. No, they really did. But hey, they tried. But CM Punk was the one that Paul Heyman chose. Right. And Paul Heyman really believed in CM Punk. And look, looky here again, Paul Heyman right about what everybody
1: really cares about. Yeah. Because to be honest with you, it shows you how like, forward thinking he was. He was. Because... Because even to this day, CM Punk comes back as an old fucking man in AEW and people like lose their mind. (laughs) Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like this, He knew it. Like, this is the guy. This this is the guy everyone wanted
3: all along. And not only did Bobby Lashley win and CM Punk didn't, Vince McMahon sent Paul Heyman home after this. Mm -hmm. And I remember this happening. This is what I remember the most about this show was like that shit,
1: like all the Fallout reading, the like... the the dirt sheets and all that shit but like it was actually like a compelling story because it was like watching Vince just like mad he couldn't get like that somebody was telling him that he was stupid with and Bobby, wrong. like that's basically like what happened. Yep. And so he got so mad that he said, "You're you're out." I know. And the thing is, Vince was wrong.
3: Vince was wrong in this case. That's what's so fucking annoying about it. And this was not just about the CM Punk thing. Obviously, Paul Heyman had problems with the overall direction that Vince was trying to push with the so ECW brand. everyone Grant. watching it. <laughs>
1: Like, I'm serious. You're right. Like, You're right. I don't understand how you could be so... Here's it's the thing. Obstinate. Here's the thing. It's one thing to disagree with Paul internally, sure. right? Sure. Like, that. that is business. Business is business, right? Yep. Some people see it one way. Some people see it the other. But when when you put that out in front of an audience, and also the audience is like, Whoever you're disagreeing with, they think they're right. Yeah. This product that you're trying to sell to them, they think the other vision is the way that the one they want to see. Yep. Then how can you just sit in a corner here and just be like, I'm right. Yeah. Stomp your foot and fuck you and like get rid of any opposition. Okay. Then. You know, everyone who agrees with that guy, which is everyone, they're also going to leave the product. And they left in droves. This ECW fucking, it basically became fucking superstars. Like, like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, it became velocity. Like, nobody gave any kind of
3: shit about it after that. It just became another- This was it. This this was was the show. Yeah, this was the show. It became another WWE brand. And a minor one at that. It limped on until early 2010 and they finally put it out of its misery. At that point, it wasn't even ECW. It wasn't. Yeah, it was was just called that. Yeah. It wasn't really ECW. It had a belt. Yeah, but no one cared about it. Remember, it was always like the winner of the Rumble can choose which champion, including the ECW. Who the fuck would choose (laughs) the ECW? Right. That's like being like the
1: champion of nothing. Right. the but, champion of fucking velocity. Champion of the
3: neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> but because of this, we did get the NXT game show. So I guess there's some good things.
1: <laughs> it X- just angers me that, really, here's a thing where it was finally. Remember how when WCW went out of business and a lot of us were hoping, oh, maybe they'll keep like Nitro as like a Thursday show or something sure. and, and they'll be the WCW and like it will be a separate thing, right? Yep. This was them like actually making like a wholehearted attempt at it. Yep. And it gets fucking corrupted because vince can't keep his fucking grubby paws off of it here's the thing vince when you buy something that's actually like popular and successful all people give a shit all they want to do is they just want to keep it the way it is and they just want you to fund it
3: pretty much you collect the profits as your reward for buying it that's all they want if vince was right then this would have been successful the yeah. proof is just in the pudding here.
1: Yeah. If, this is just a, a flat out, like. There's no. There's no. We can't. Like, a lot of times we like to say, like, well, Vince maybe was right about this no. aspect. No, he was right
3: about. He was wrong about all of it. Yeah. If he was right, it would have worked. Yeah. It didn't work. Yeah.
1: <laughs> this, this is his WCW, right yeah.
3: here, right here. Pretty much. Yeah. And it won. Uh, for those of you that care about this sort of thing, the readers of The Observer voted it the worst major show of, of 2006. And it should be. Yeah. So with that said, that's ECW. December to dismember. No one got dismembered either. Shit. Yeah. Anyway, one more entrant. Sure. People think they know what it might be. You think you know it? You know me. (laughs) We're all gonna find out now. Who drew number ten? WrestleMania two, but the world has come to WrestleMania two. There it is. What a piece of crap. I have warmed to this show. Why? Over the years. <laughs> Why? But that doesn't make it good. Okay? I have stopped warming to this show quite a okay. long time. Especially on a rewatch. It was brutal. So this made it because it's not good, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Usually, you make the roll flush if you're not if good. you're not good. WrestleMania 2, obviously, folks, is the WrestleMania that was held at three locations. New York's National Coliseum, the Rosemont. And the LA Sports Arena. Can I say just that
1: concept? That That's literally them trying to say like, oh, Starcade did it. We could do it better. Like That's, that's true. all that is. Yeah. There's no fucking reason this needs to be in three places at
3: it, all. It's ambitious. I'll give them that because you get the houses at all three. You get closed circuit all across the country. And uh, in pay-per-view, you see all three of them. But there's a reason they never did it again. Yeah. But we have three main events here. So I'll just run them down from each location like we do. The main event of the New York portion. Rowdy Roddy Piper taking on Mr. T in a boxing match. That's what I go to watch wrestling, the boxing. My theory, Mm -hmm. just a theory, is A, it provides an attraction. Not that I want to see boxing. Mm -hmm. I don't know who did because it's not real boxing anyway. Right. But also because T probably... Isn't really good to work a 15 minute wrestling match against Roddy Piper who doesn't want to work with them to begin with, right? Right. And on, the ta- top, on top of it, here's the one thing yeah. I will say
1: some credit here. The whole idea here is like WrestleMania celebrities, right? Yep. This was finally, if you think about it, well, I guess they did it last year too, but this is like a one on one match with a celebrity no assistance. And yep. I think there's something
3: to be said about that from like an attraction point of view. That's a good point, when, you know? Yeah, just T versus Piper. It's not a tag match. Yeah. So that's the main event of New York. The main event, people are going to get picky and pedantic about the terms here. He can
4: be pedantic. He can be pedantic.
3: In the Rosemont, the tag title match closes the show, closes the portion, but the thing they promoted the most as the biggest attraction is the Battle Royal, which is Six NFL guys and fourteen WWF guys yep. taking on each other. We're gonna see who's toughest, even though it doesn't make sense because like the NFL guys aren't wrestlers, so why would they win? It'd be like put, they're just bigger or something yeah, they're not. like yeah, they're not. <laughs> Some of them aren't. Yeah. And they look out of shape and weird, most of them. I will say the, again, on paper,
1: if you're it's especially in the mid eighties, yep. right? Um NFL players were held up to a high regard so as far as even now, as, as comp- like total athletes, like you don't get in the NFL unless you're like you got to be it, like, tough, like a mutant human. Like yeah. like <laughs> like seriously, these guys were gigantic. No, they were. Like they- it's not it's not like it's not like a um it's not like easy to get in the NFL. The NFL wasn't full of tiny people. Sure, like it was full of steroided up crazy. Big people, just like you know? wrestling was, so yeah. it's perfect. So, so no, it's, it's like a good, it's like a match made in heaven, right? Let's find out which which is the toughest, yeah. right?
3: It's a cool attraction on paper, yeah. It on really paper, is in practice. It obviously, obviously, it's horrible. Yeah. And Falco, and <laughs> Falco, that's Bill Freilich. And then in the Los Angeles portion, the real main event of the entire show, Hulk Hogan, the champion, obviously on his run here. He had been attacked by King Kong Bundy a couple of months earlier. He February, had, uh, probably. Yeah, I think so. He damages ribs. Bundy was the hot. Keel at the time. He had come in about a year prior, and he was a force, you know what I mean? It was a good it was a good gimmick. The five count, all that. The five count. Bunny's fine. A good challenger. I have no problem with this as the main event in uh, LA. And it's a steel cage match, which was a novel idea. Absolutely. Okay. So with that said, WrestleMania two is remembered, I guess, for several funny things, such as <laughs> And understandably so. Listen, it's nineteen eighty six. They're running an event from three locations, so as it is, their staff is spread over three locations. Got that. There's technical problems everywhere. There's technical everywhere. problems, yeah. But it isn't well-produced anyway. Even if it was from one location, nothing's really lit well because they're still like getting the influence from Eversol, but it hasn't fully crept in yet. It hasn't clicked specifically with the lighting. Everything looks like a dump. It looks dingy. Everywhere they are just looks bad. Yeah, it looks dingy. It looks very small time still. Yeah, Much different than WrestleMania 3 and beyond. Right. So we have that, but the celebrities are are part of the fun here, and we'll mention some of them as we go, but there are so many celebrities on this show. This,
1: this is the one thing I want to say about this. The message that I think Vince got after WrestleMania 1 was, we like the celebrities. Give us more celebrities. <laughs> so Vince responds with, you want celebrities? Well, we're going to get as many as we possibly... There's going to be more celebrities than wrestlers <laughs> yeah. at this show. Like <laughs> these." Right? Ludicrous! Yeah. Like how many celebrities? They never, ever did this again with this many celebrities. I don't this, think they did. This is insane. It's is there lot. like what is the full like? Do we have a full list of oh, the celebrities somewhere? Because it it's absurd. We got Joan Rivers, Tommy Lasorda, Dick Butkus, Ed tall Jones, Robert Conrad, who Susan Saint Susan James. Saint James, Kathy Lee Crosby, Elvira Herb. Clara Peller, Ricky Schroeder, Ray Charles. And like, the six NFL guys. The six NFL people. It's like 20 people just it, about. It's insane. And I swear there's like even secret people in there as well that I don't even remember. Because there, there's people just lurking at ringside for certain matches. The G. And stuff. Gordon Liddy. Did I say Cab Calloway? Cab Calloway is yeah. another one.
3: There's a shit ton of people here. Yeah. And we open with Ray Charles doing a phenomenal, excellent job at seeing America the beautiful, beautiful. He's probably the best celebrity, sadly. Oh, like maybe. Like he's the only one that's
1: not weird and intrusive the mm-hmm. whole way.
3: Joan Rivers is good. What? Okay. <laughs> anyway. Our commentators for the New York the New York portion are Vince McMahon and Susan St. James, and we talked about her last season. I don't mind her. I know the uh-oh, uh-oh. and the Come on, George in a really weird voice. Like yeah. Get him,
1: George, eat his leg. George! Look at- Here's the deal, is she's competent, but it adds again to the like Wow, this is minor league shit. This is this is like yeah. you know what I mean. Like it doesn't yeah. it doesn't make the New York portion better, but it doesn't le- make it worse. It it's just not great.
3: It's not great, but at least she's not like who's this guy, you know, or yeah. like Donovan. Yeah, like it's talked, how much does he weigh? At least she's into it. And the opening match here is the magnificent Morocco with Fuji taking on Paul Orndorff. They have no real issue. It's a crummy opener. It the ends... most memorable part is Don Morocco like having like a
1: weird like audio only monologue. Yeah, because they but... fucked up and didn't show the video. It's bizarre.
3: April eighty six.
1: Yeah, <laughs> where he closes with uh, Nassau Coliseum, April
3: eighty six. Paul Orndorff, hello there, TV Land. Uh-huh. Nassau Coliseum, April eighty
2: six. Hello to everybody out there in TV Land.
3: It's bizarre. It's bizarre. The match stinks. By the way, it ends in a double count out. What a crappy way to open a WrestleMania! Did Paul Orndorff go from like main eventer to like this? Yeah, that's a fair question. You know, Randy Savage then took on George Steele. Savage is the IC champion. Uh, It is a title match. This is the come on George match, and uh, I don't like it. But it's not. It's it's a waste of Randy Savage for his first WrestleMania. Yeah, I mean, here's the truth though. On paper, it made sense because it was actually right. a feud the that feud people cared existed, about. feud yeah. existed, to be fair. It's just like... It's not like there was no build.
1: It's one of those feuds that you do at the house shows, and then you use Macho Man for something else on something like on a pay-per-view yes. basis. To, <laughs> Pay-per- <if> you, yeah. <laughs> like, I, you know what I'm saying? It's yes. like you quickly like pivot right before the show to something else. Pivot!
3: Next match, uh, another come on George match because it's Jake Roberts, who's brand new here, defeating George Wells in a couple of minutes. Uh, Notable because it's Jake's big pay-per-view debut. Is this the first ever jobber match on WrestleMania? No, SD Jones against King Kong Bundy. SD
1: Jones isn't. George Wells is more jobbery, I think.
3: by mm, Matt Bourne wasn't really much of a... (laughs) He's kind of a jobber, too. Yeah. Anyway, and the executioner. But anyway, Jake Roberts uh, defeats George Wells. Pretty much gets his ass kicked until he hits the DDT, puts the snake on him, the mouth and foaming and all that, and it's not good. None of it's really good. Nothing's good so far is the problem. Nope. Then Horrible. the uh, boxing match, you and I aired our grievances about this. Now, folks, if you have the Patreon, you can refresh yourself by uh, listening to the WrestleMania 2 review. If this entices you to sign up, Richard Land is a special guest in studio on that review. Is he?
1: You don't remember? It's so long ago. It's like 26 <laughs> years ago or whatever. Yeah. I uh, mean that, that it's 250 years, you know, uh-huh. I'm just doing the math. Yeah, sure.
3: But uh yeah, we talked about this at length. The core problem is if you're trying to get boxing fans to watch this, they immediately can see it's not real boxing. Mm-hmm. And the wrestling fans probably don't care about boxing or fake boxing anyway. So it's, Hideous. C- it's crappy. Absolutely horrible. The crowd boos. Yeah. They boo Mr. T. Then it just ends with a body slam. Yeah, like, yeah and they cheer that. Yeah. Because they're, they're like, like oh, it's, it's oh, over. Oh, yeah. Oh
2: wait, a- oh, oh, wait a minute. Come on. Uh-oh. oh. Not- oh, wait a minute. I knew this was coming.
1: The best part about it is the, the Joan Rivers, like, introductions,
3: right? Now, don't sleep on Joan Rivers, though, because in the mid-80s, she was a very hot comedian. She had her own show yeah, coming up. She I had understand. been a guest host of The Tonight Show. I don't know what happened here. Well, Herb. Yeah. <laughs> Herb! So, and- first of all,
1: she has to introduce Herb. Yep. Herb twiddles in or whatever he does. Yeah, twiddly-diddly-dee. twiddly diddly d. right? So, Herb comes in. He dances in. And she's a like, herb! Herb. So he's there. There's all the judges. Then all the judge people come out. G Gordon Liddy from like, you know, the Nixon administration yeah. like the whole like Watergate, wa- Watergate stuff. Criminal activity. Yeah. An actual criminal is is um, I guess, cheered. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Why not? Like because WrestleMania, baby. So then he comes out. That's great. But then Roddy Piper and all his friends, Ludova. Ludova, his Ludova trainer, yes, yeah, and then finally the ace of comedy and funny man,
3: Bob Orvin. Ace comedy and
4: funny man, Mr. Bob Orvin.
3: It's obviously the ace cowboy, Bob Orton and Joan Rivers misread the card, I'm sure, and improvised a bit. It's clear that she messed up the beginning part, yeah. and then
1: just everything improvised. else she just
3: made up. Yeah, <laughs> and funny man, Mr. Bob Orvin. Yeah, and like we said... On paper, it made sense, I guess, T versus Piper, but no one cared. It was bad. The execution was bad. It's all bad. And that's the end of New York. Thank goodness. Four shitty matches. Yeah. So I get why this is on here. I know Mm -hmm. some people like it because of its weird charm, and it does have some charm, but it's not good. No. This isn't good so far. Horrible. We go to Chicago where Gorilla Monsoon is thankfully there, but with him is, oh, yeah. <laughs> mean Gene Okerlund. Because <laughs> oh! <laughs> doing play by play, which is never good. And, and with, Gene doesn't do a lot of, oh. No, not this. this. Yeah. Not with Gorilla.
1: <laughs> I think ever since he's been taken off the, the championship wrestling <laughs> canon, like yeah.
3: he that, ah, oh! oh! it's all gone. Good. With them is Kathy Lee Crosby, who has the at least the candor to announce to everyone that she's never watched wrestling before. That's my favorite part about her. At least she's not acting. Like Susan St. James is like a big wrestling fan or yeah. whatever she is. Dick like, wife, by yeah, the way.
1: Yeah, but yeah. The, 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 she's like, I don't even know what this shit is. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm happy to be here, though.
3: My grandfather used to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like shit like that. I watched like
1: once with, yeah. once with him. Isn't well, she talking about gorgeous swords like and stuff? That. Like, it's like, good Lord.
3: It's great. Welcome yeah. to the world of professional wrestling.
2: Oh, boy. This is my first wrestling
4: match actually in.
3: So, over here, we have our favorite women's wrestler on OVP, the fabulous Mula, <sighs> Who's now the champion again, by the way. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> of the spider lady. The incident. spider lady. Yep. Wendy Richter. So, the good women's wrestler, Wendy Richter, is gone. We get more years of Mula here. <sighs> I was married to Billy Wiff. Anyway. <laughs> With Wiff. She defeated one that I like. I think Quinn is finally starting to realize that she's good. Velvet McIntyre. Yeah, this is the match that made me not like her because it's she not just her fault. gets her ass woofed. It's like, a Moolah match, this man. stinks, They're this match. Bad. This is really bad, no, this match. And it's like a minute. Velvet has her foot on the ropes. No one notices. It's a piece of shit. This is the wardrobe malfunction and all that. Fuck it. Yeah. And I don't like Moolah. A minute and 25 seconds. Joe. Good. The next match is Corporal Kirshner, who, as a reminder is not Sergeant Slaughter, and the fans treat him as right. such. He takes on Nikolai Volkov in a flag match. And the funny part here is that, according to Gorilla at the end of the match, he's like, if you win, you get to wave the flag, and you also get to take the opponent's flag, but I guess Karl Kirshner didn't want to do that, remember? I don't even think
1: nobody, even <laughs> nobody knew, the, knew. knew the rules. They were just like, <laughs> do you get it to win? I don't know. Like, it, no one knew. it doesn't matter, because it's two minutes and five seconds, yep. and it's junk. In a matter of Three minutes and 30 seconds of match time. We have half the entire card done. I'm not kidding.
3: Yep. Now, the Battle Royal that comes up next is a shade under 10 minutes. The introductions, obviously, are a little bit longer. I suppose if we really need to here, we will run them down. So, here we go. Jimbo Covert from the Chicago Bears. Yep. Pedro Morales. How? (laughs) How is he getting on WrestleMania? (laughs) Tony Atlas, no problem no, with him. No issue. But he's one of those like really still there in 86 type of people. You know what Which I mean? So
1: again, I still find that Atlas and Rocky Johnson being gone by this point bizarre considering their status going into the boom. Yeah, I know. Like, they're one of the, like main draws. They were.
3: They yeah, were think, a successful team. Yeah. Ted who who is pretty new and pretty shitty, but I find his promos funny because they're bad and he has that accent, mm-hmm. you know?
2: Ted RCD I've got to say something about your hometown, Boston. Isn't that a great city? Phenomenal city. The lobsters? The lobster, The baked beans. The baked beans. Harvard Yard. Harvard Yard. Harvard Square. Harvard Square, right. Did you park cars in Boston? I I used to park cars when I was in college, yeah.
3: Harvey Martin, a former NFL player. Dallas Cowboys, allegedly. Yes, allegedly. I don't know. Maybe there's like 16 other teams he's on. True. Danny, Golden Boy, Danny Spivey. Yeah. Okay. Eww. So wow. golden. Just fucking floundering in 86, by the way. It's a shame. I know. They should have just made him wail in mercy that. Yeah, they should have just it's, thought it's, of that it's then. such a great idea. That Is version it, it, of Cape Fear wasn't out yet. Oh. They looks. could have based it on the original one. I guess. Go. <laughs> go. <laughs> Hillbilly Jim, hi folks. King Tonga proudly in this, by the way. Yep. The Iron Sheik, no problem there. Right. Ernie Holmes, your yeah, Holmes, mm-hmm. for the Steelers. I see. B. Brian Blair, fuck him. No, I'm just kidding. Jumping Jim, <laughs> right next to them, by the way, in the <laughs> yeah. lineup there. Just saying. Jumping Jim Brunzel. Big John Stud, mm-hmm. who um was it? Freilich, thinks he's funny by calling him Dud. Stud Dud. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, all the talk's done, Gene. I'm waiting to get a hold of the Stud here, or whatever the Dud.
3: Falco is next. Yes, uh, from the Atlanta Falcons, right guard. Atlanta Falcons. See, my Falcons. Boy. Falco. See, that's that's where I get it from. It's Bill Freilich, Yes. Yes. Bill Falco. Jim Neidhart hmm Russ Francis from the NFL on the 49ers there. Lovely. Bruno, actually a name. I'm not kidding.
1: Like, he, that's a name. Other than Iron Sheik, I think he's, like, the biggest name in this thing. I'm
3: not kidding. Wrestler-wise, yeah, gotta be. Stud-dud, maybe. Maybe. Mm-hmm. And uh, another big name because we're in Chicago, and he's from Bears, is William the Refrigerator Perry. It's probably the biggest NFL name, I would think. Yeah. Oh, Andre the Giant's other oh, biggest wrestling name, Quinn. Duh, oh, duh. Yeah. <laughs> so why anyway. is he not listed on here? Oh, because he won it. So oh, God. and he d- last eliminated Bret Hart. Weirdly, I yeah. always found that weird. Well, don't it's you? Because it's
1: it's it's Jim and Bret. I mean, they kind of go out hand in hand. Yeah. It's just Bret technically yeah. the last
3: guy out. Hart gets booted out first, and then yeah. Eliminates it himself. It could have gone either way. But it like, went Brett. Th- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like you still. Yeah. And Andre is in his banana yellow <laughs> attire here. And he wins. And of course he does. Because why would Andre the Giant lose about a royal? He never does. Never. On uh, the fitted. In the uh, final match here, it's very, very good. It's mm-hmm. actually the best thing on the entire show, in my opinion. Okay. It is the British Bulldogs challenging for the tag title. So it's David Boy Smith, Dynamite Kid. The Dream Team, Brutus Beefcake and Greg Valentine, a team that I do like, actually, yes. with Johnny V, of course. Now, the Bulldogs, Quinn, have who as their manager? Captain Lewis. And? And Ozzy Osbourne. And Ozzy
1: Osbourne. The greatest celebrity <laughs> manager ever, yeah, uh, in it. my opinion. In
3: his pink suit.
1: He is Gung ho. He, like, he's he, so. Well, we'll after the match, there's a comment that I love that he makes, and okay. it, it's it's beautiful. Honestly,
3: not only is this a good match, <laughs> it's actually the longest match on the show, which is not a problem here. It's yeah. 13 minutes, and uh, it's great. I really like this match. Gorilla would refer to it forever as the nightmare for the Dream Team in the rose. Yeah, I
1: think that's the to me the most notable thing is that Gorilla talked about it for like 20 years yeah. or something.
3: Like he <laughs> just wouldn't shut the
1: fuck up about this match.
3: But I do really like it. It's yeah. an excellent way to start the Bulldogs' reign. Uh-huh. Uh huh. it's really good it's a really good wrestling match but the funniest part is when gene hops in at the end and he's like ozzy Osbourne, oh come in here england get in here and he's like (laughs) london england (laughs) get on get on in here are you gonna be a manager for a long time
1: and then he's like they're like asking him and he's like yeah i'm gonna be here it's like i'll be here next year man like you know he's like he's so high. Yeah. Like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's fantastic, man. The British Bulldogs forever!
3: Now we go over to Los Angeles, mm-hmm. City of the Angels, where we have our commentary team of Jesse the Body Ventura and his hideous microphone <laughs> that Joe has such a problem with. I'm going to tell you something, Lord Alfred Hayes. I'm <laughs> here with the viral. We are going to have a really good time here at WrestleMania. That's
1: right. I'll tell you, Lord Alfred Hayes.
3: So check that off in this show, Sucksville. Yes, like, the plastic headset. Yeah. Like. <laughs> Lord Hayes is awkward as fuck when he's on live TV. He's great when he's doing pre-tapes and stuff, but yeah. oh my god, is he awkward live? But we also have an additional treat of Elvira. She's not wonderful. Ariel, but El- Elvira, yeah.
1: the actual Elvira. She is a gem at this. Yeah, she respects the business, but she also. Is, is it respecting another person where I'm like I'm not sure if they don't
3: if they I think this is real or not. I might. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm not positive. It doesn't matter. Just like those football men. She's charming. Yeah, I have no problem with her. Now in the opener here in L. A. We have Ricky Steamboat who takes on Hercules Hernandez. Quinn is he very Hernandez here? He's Hernandez at this point. The curly, you know, big hair. Yeah, those, he's got the weird the wooden getup. suit yeah. as I always say. <laughs> wooden suit. Yeah. Now Bret Hart tells a story about. You know, it was originally supposed to be me taking on Ricky Steamboat, but uh, Vince wanted to change it to uh, Hercules Hernandez. I thought I could have had a good match with Ricky Steamboat.
1: That's why they're in a completely separate arena.
3: I guess I don't know. <laughs> That's what Brett says. Yeah. Anyway, Steamboat wins. It's fine. It's nothing. You know what it, I mean? It's it's, it's this not anything. You're it's, right. It's a match. And here's a
1: weird one. Yeah. Adrian Adonis versus Uncle Elmer. Why is Uncle Elmer wrestling on WrestleMania? Yeah,
3: like really? Like
1: the adorable Adrian Adonis for the record. I understand that, but I don't understand why Uncle Elmer is making air (laughs) as a wrestler. Not like Why is Hillbilly
3: Jim not wrestling? He's in the Battle Royal. I don't care. (laughs) I don't want to see Uncle Elmer wrestle. Highlight of this match, Adonis wins, is where uh, Uncle Elmer throws a punch and then falls down. So let's move on. Exactly. He why, sucks, exactly man. Exactly why he should not be wrestling. There's no justifying this match. It's-
1: Uncle Homer's just amusing as far as like a character in wrestling. He, as far as Take like look at him. a guy in the ring, he should never have ever been in the ring. He's a
3: piece, man. Yeah. All right. <laughs> we then have. Pretty good stuff here. I don't mind this one. And I think you like this one too, Quinn, right? Mm -hmm. I don't mind it, but it's it's not amazing. It's not great, but it's
1: not amazing either.
3: Terry Funk teaming up with Dory, who was masquerading as Hoss. He's Hoss here. Yeah. I don't know who
1: Dory is.
3: They take on the Junkyard Dog, still very over, and Tito Santana. Yeah, this seems like it's supposed to be the like highlight wrestling
1: match or whatever. It's on this, on this, Portion, it's decent. Yeah, it's not amazing, but it's decent, right? It's, I think the best part is like Terry Funk and Hoss over here. They're pretty wild and
3: wacky. They are during like the whole. They're they're crazy people. Hoss has the beard still, right? So he looks younger. I guess. Dory. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it's Terry
1: always looks old to me. I don't yeah. <laughs> beard or not.
3: <laughs> it's also pretty much the end of Terry. I think he leaves like right after this. He's replaced by uh, Jimmy Jack.
1: Yeah, I always just interpreted this run as Terry Funk getting getting like a kiss the ring piece you know what i'm yeah. saying like a like i don't like think he gave a fuck about being here yeah like essentially it was like he's a legend we have to say that we had terry funk so they hired him for a couple months kind of thing
3: maybe i mean he was there for they, a bit
1: i always thought that they, i know this sounds weird but i always thought they needed him at this point in time yeah. in 86 more than he
3: needed them well, i don't even know if they needed him honestly I,
1: I just thought he was such a he was like a he was like a trophy essentially 85 like, yes Because Terry Funk was very respected as an NWA champion. Among wrestling fans. I guess, but his
3: second career, I think he was even more popular.
1: Yeah, true. I'm talking
3: 89-ish onward. True. But yeah, no, it's, I mean. Around the
1: other parts in the country, Terry Funk was considered a a legend. I got news for you. So was Dory. Yeah, but he's a hoss
3: here. Yeah, but I'm just saying. like He's not a Terry. Dory may be more so at this point. Perhaps. You know, NWA champion. Your favorite era, Jack Briscoe era. Yeah. Early 70s NWA is your favorite, right? You love it. Gene (laughs) Kaniski. Horrible. (laughs) Anyway, main event, cage match, Mm -hmm. Hulk Hogan, King Kong, Bundy. Now, for this, we have a special guest ring announcer. You know what? We forgot to mention, and we got to do it now. In Chicago, where Gene's introducing people, the guest timekeeper, obviously, for the Battle Royal, Miss Claire. Peller! All oh, right. Yeah. A lady who has indeed found the beef,
2: Claire Peller.
3: What? What? Can yeah, <laughs> I say it now? She doesn't even say that. We covered this yeah. last season right, with the yeah. celebrities, but... There's Claire. Gotta love her. Okay. So we've got Tommy Lasorda, pretty famous manager of the Los Angeles Dodgers. He's the guest ring announcer. He does a fair job. Not mm-hmm. good. Not great. Ricky Schroeder is there. Everyone hates him. He gets, like, so booed. It's so, so funny. Formal.
2: Star of TV series, Silver's Booth, Ricky Schroeder!
3: And Robert Conrad, <laughs> I don't even know who that is. Maybe the one of the most useless <laughs> WrestleMania celebrities this side of Kim Kardashian. He's just like this Kim is Kardashian. A- at least embraced us with "This is a match," yeah. which she never said, but that's like what I think she said. It's the it's the ethos of it, right? Yeah. Robert Conrad's supposed to be the outside troubleshooting referee. He doesn't do anything, and no one cares.
1: Can I just say, like, yeah. I
3: know Gorilla likes to like emphasize outside refs, but outside refs suck ass. They usually do nothing.
1: Other than Mike Tyson that one time. And that's only because he had to count the pin.
3: Right. And even that, he did too fast. Yeah. So it wasn't very good. Just d- d- cool it on the outside ref shit. <laughs> I don't like it. Give it a rest. Yeah. Now, this main event is not one of Hulk Hogan's better pay-per-view matches. Absolutely not. It is also not horrible, but mm-hmm. it's just it's not that good. I really don't think it's that good. It's 10 minutes. I don't think it's memorable. That's the thing. I it's- just think it's like a house show match. Yeah, re- that, like that's what it comes off to me. Yeah. On paper it's a nice draw. It's a steel cage match for the world title. I totally get it. But it's just kind of flat to me. Bundy does blade, but it's not very impressive. This
1: to me represents a fundamental misunderstanding of what WrestleMania was at this point in time, meaning that they just they hadn't figured out like, what should the, like, they, they, it's almost like they lucked out because they just said, oh, WrestleMania is about celebrities at WrestleMania one, right? Let's put a celebrity with Hulk Hogan and, you know, Road itself. But when they got to two where they're like, no more, you know, we have to have like a one on one match, the champion headlining. Yeah. They didn't understand that. It's like, nobody gives a fuck about this house show horse shit. Like, they just, they want to see some match that they could never see anywhere else. Yeah. Like, you know what I
3: mean? I guess so. I, I guess, I, I don't know. I don't know if they were running this on the house show circuit or not, but it's house showy the way it's presented. It's house showy, yeah, yeah, the way it's presented. So like, it doesn't fucking matter ultimately, right? It was decent, but it's not one of Hogan's more memorable Again, WrestleMania next, things. Next
1: year, they, they would figure out this is how we do. It's got to be
3: this unbelievable, like yeah. once in a lifetime match, you know? Sure. Yeah, I mean Hogan had better matches at almost every other WrestleMania. It's true. If you can't count nine because it's not a match, yeah. but. This is like on Sid levels of really not mattering because uh-huh. yeah, eights is shitty too. But anyway, yeah, that's WrestleMania two, folks. Let's run them down and we will rank. At number one, King of the Ring ninety five. Two WrestleMania eleven. Three In Your House four. Four The Wrestling Classic five WrestleMania nine. Six Survivor Series ninety three. Seven No Holds Barred Match Movie eight In Your House Beware of Dog. Quinn ECW December to Dismember
1: horrible hideous worse than Beware of Dog worse than the match the movie even worse. And Survivor
3: Series 1993. I mean, yeah. Is there any redeeming value to this show? No, it's hideous. Should it, people have paid money for this? Couldn't this have been put on? I didn't. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently only 90,000 people I did. Guess,
1: I guess we're all paying money for it technically these days and we have for years via Peacock and WWE Network. But yeah, but I don't, for
3: some reason, I don't think this one's getting the views, man. I,
1: you know, I've always wondered why can't they put a view counter on Peacock or, or WWE Network so you just know <laughs> like, it's what's like, popular. Yeah, like, what is popular? It'd be very interesting YouTube to see has the three views on uh,
3: December to <laughs> dismember. And one of them is probably me. One of them is me getting clips to edit in. Yeah. This is worse than WrestleMania 9. I don't care. Yeah. I think it's worse. It's, it's one of the worst things on this list. It is so fundamentally broken because I
1: think we could jack it all the way up to, okay. uh, let's go around In Your House 4.
3: Worse than the classic?
1: Your heated yeah. rival? All right. I, I, I think the
3: classic is somewhat more classic. I think the problem here, Quinn, is that it's the fundamental issue Is it's a WWE version of an ECW pay per view. It's an imposter. With a lot of WWF guys, with Big Show going in as the champion and Bobby Lashley leaving. There's the no Fallout is the major issue. Yeah. It.
1: It's why it's so fucking horrible. I see. This is the thing is like, I think these three pay-per-views can contend with it because the fallout is just shitty. It's all 1995, which means the fallout has to be shitty by default. Yeah. Um, well, I
3: mean, the fallout of four is... In Your House 4. In Your House 4 is good, in a sense, because Vince takes the title off Diesel.
1: Okay, then we'll
3: we'll, we'll raise you know him what I'm saying. that. It like... And, and honestly, four isn't good. Mm-hmm. The main event is really one of the worst things about it. Sean not wrestling, and I'm not blaming him. Well, mm-hmm. I am for mouthing off, but I'm not blaming him for getting concussed, okay? Sean not wrestling is another reason people hate it. The Razor Dean Douglas thing stinks, but ECW December to Dismember. I mean, look at it. Look at Balls it. Balls Mahoney, Matt Striker. People paying for it. match. Yeah, people. Paying it's even for got that. its own Dean Douglas on it. Like, <laughs> so there you go. Um, I, I I hate the top two. King of the Ring ninety five and WrestleMania eleven. I can't stand those shows. I may hate WrestleMania 11 more, but recognize King of the Ring as the worst show, if that makes sense. Yes. Do you know what I'm saying? But December to Dismember.
1: (laughs) See, here's the problem with December to Dismember as far as like elevating it above those two. Yeah. Is that I just don't care about it. Like, I recognize it's hideous, but WrestleMania 11 should be better. The fact that it's so fucking horrible is like atrocious to me. Yeah but the fact that it's like it's it's okay. the, it's yeah. the absolute like disrespect for the WrestleMania brand after they had just like revived it last year is so annoying. And
3: what about King of the Ring 95? That should be better
1: also, right? It should be. Okay. Especially with that fucking tournament where it's got Shawn and Undertaker in it and they're they're like out right away. Yeah. It sucks.
3: If we leave this at number 3, you might hear an argument that well, at least WrestleMania 11 has good matches like, you know, Diesel versus Shawn and um the Razor Jarrett thing, really? But <laughs> my argument is the Razor Jarrett thing ends in a DQ and is meaningless. Yeah, and the Sean Diesel match is not that good.
1: Also, they decided that the celebrity match was the main
3: event. Yeah, um, and not and again not the wrestling match. Is that a good is is Bam Bam LT good for a celebrity match? Yeah, but I think that that's what contributes to
1: Sean and Diesel not giving two fucks.
3: No, they give fucks, Quinn. It's just not very good. I mean, they care. Sean cares. He's trying to make a star out of himself. I you guess. can't say he doesn't care. I don't know. It like dulls the. Well, we talked it, about yeah, it. Yeah, it like dulls the effect. It's dull because it doesn't close. It's also dull because the dynamic is broken. We yeah. talked about Diesel would be better off as a heel. He should. Sean be Sean should be a face. The This crowd is why wants when they do the do same thing like a year later, it's a hundred times better. It's a million times better. Yeah. yeah. But ECW December to Dismember Quinn is almost one of the worst things they could have asked people to pay for. In I all agree with fucking that. seriousness,
1: okay, maybe it's worse than eleven. But is it worse than King of the Ring '95? That is a piece of shit, like of legendary proportions. What makes it worse than ECW's December to Dismember for you? I've never seen like something like that with like the with with the people it had. Just like the booking decisions are so baffling. At least I can like I can understand why. Bobby okay. Lashley would win. Okay, okay. Like, you know
3: what I mean. Like it's it's tone deaf. King of the Ring yeah. '95 is very tone deaf, yeah, right? Like, like I, Savio Vega the whole show. Yeah, I I just I don't get it. Kiss my foot. Yeah. Oh, and the main event tag match that I hate. I know that is a more pointless main event tag match than the Hogan Warrior versus Slaughter and all them from SummerSlam '91. I don't know how it's just like King of the Ring
1: '1995 is just something that always has stuck with me. Is just like this just horrible fucking show okay you know what i mean let's leave it i just hate it yeah it's bad okay december to dismember it's objectively bad it's objectively bad but here's the thing it's coming at a point of weakness where like already you have to remember i remember going into that that the ecw was already kind of like on its last legs right as far as like being a thing and it was just like this this was like a make or break moment and Mm -hmm. they just failed and then like that was it like you know what I mean? Like it could have gone. It could have gone either way. I know what you're saying. You know what I'm saying? And like
3: it was just kind of like it was all the writing was kind of already on the wall. The the main problem is that it also it, it killed the brand though. It really did. Yeah, December but it was a brand December. that it was already it basically like good. it was I up know. to Vince McMahon if it was going to ever exist anyway. So
1: the brand had the brand died in 2001 officially. Okay. Fair. We thought maybe it
3: would be revived, but, but that was wishful thinking. Fair point. Quinn. You know. All right, so then why don't we uh, rank WrestleMania two now? Okay, is it worse than Beware of Dogs? I don't think it is. I think it stays really? at ten. Yeah. Wow. Oh. Okay, go ahead, make a case. I really well because
1: those we always give Beware of Dog credit for for trying in like an impossible situation. But
3: what's good? Oh, uh, you know what? Beware of Dog has um Austin versus Savio. Yeah. Is that even good though? Is that one of their good ones? Yeah, that one's okay. I think WrestleMania two, the one, the
1: thing that I always, why it's so disappointing to me is yeah. because like. They, they did it right last year. What was so fucking difficult about just repeating it? Instead, they like they it's like an example of like trying too hard and like it causing it to be horrible.
3: Yeah, they perfected the formula the following year. Yeah, obviously at three. Um, okay, you know what? You know what? We just ran through WrestleMania two. There's one legitimately good match on twelve matches. Mm -hmm. The attractions, none of them delivered.
1: I just I've always felt that it's unfair to like. To beware of dog because it's just, you will never know if it could have been good because it got fucked up like because of yeah. the, like something completely out of their control. If the full thing was just, but yeah, but the card isn't that good either. But again, I understand we'll, we'll, that. Of 10. I, I understand that, but it's, it's going to 10. It, again, not fair to that oh, show. Right. That's I know. It's because Sean's all.
3: a champion and you like it. I know. No, nah, it's yeah, not even it that. It's, it's just,
1: I actually, I really have a, I really feel bad for them with the lights.
3: Like. Okay. Uh, no holds barred the match the movie again. We've said, I don't, it, this shouldn't be on here. No. So, it'll yeah, go- again,
1: the, the nine and 10, the reason they have to be there is because they, they really shouldn't be. Yeah, they shouldn't. One, be. it's unfair for, yeah. for In Your House. Second, no
3: holds barred. It's, it's nothing. What would you rather watch, Survivor Series 93 or WrestleMania 2? Ooh.
1: WrestleMania 2.
3: Me too. But, but objectively,
1: I would never want to watch Survivor Series
3: anything. I mean, you know that. Is Wrestle. See, some people, though, Quinn.
1: What do you mean? <laughs> some no, listen, people- listen, listen,
3: listen to me. Some people, I've seen a couple of people on the board, say that WrestleMania's nine. WrestleMania nine is worse than WrestleMania two. But I don't see that. I see nine is better than two. What nine is better than two. You don't think so? Uh, you think nine is worse than WrestleMania two? I'm mm, nine's better. That's a hard that that's to me a hard definitive statement. What the fuck is good on <laughs> WrestleMania 2? You were just saying how shitty it is. You're right. It is worse. Nine's at least got a pretty good opener, a pretty good tag team as match. As much I
1: hate Nine. It's what Nine represents. It's... Uh, listen! Like it's, Nine is just such a...
3: Uh, I'm not waving the flag saying it's a great show. Look at all of this decline. I That's agree. That's what Nine is. Yeah, I know. I know. I agree with every single thing like you WrestleMania said. WrestleMania
1: 2, at least the company is hopping.
3: Yeah, like, but they're hopping through one-minute matches that suck. Yeah. You really think that WrestleMania... Fine, I don't care. Go ahead. No, I think, no, let's it, no do it. I think you're right. No, you're right. How about that? No, I, no, I really no, do. No, you're right.
1: I think you're right on, like, a technical level that 2 is worse than 9. 2 has a certain charm to it, but it's it's a Actually, sloppy you know, mess. wrestling classic and 2 are very akin to each other. I think that's, like, where we start to make a decision. That's what I'm thinking. I mean, yeah. look, they're, they're very much like the same. They're the... We're still trying to figure out this like big pay-per-view show thing.
3: Yeah. You know what I mean? I want to do this, Quinn, if you're okay with it. I mean, my reasoning, folks, for putting two slightly worse than nine is only because nine is better produced, has better commentary throughout, has a more unique look, looks better in general, has matches that are actually better decent. I'm not saying great. I am not calling WrestleMania... I am not calling WrestleMania 9 a good show. Okay? I know that it's bad. I know it's bad.
1: WrestleMania 2 comparing it is... I think people could go either way, though, because like 2 is notably shitty.
3: It, 2 isn't good either. Yeah, two, That's all I'm saying. Yeah, they're, they're both bad WrestleManias. There's nothing that great on 2. Yeah. Yeah. Because of the one fucking British Bulldogs match that everyone raves about, it's like okay... It's great. I, can I, whatever. Can I,
1: can I break it, uh, breaking news secret? Yeah, it's not that great. It's good, but I mean, I, I like it, it. I think it's overstating. It's like a maybe three star match. It's
3: like three and a half, maybe. But yeah. either way, oh, so that makes WrestleMania two good. Like, it's Lou Duva's on it. We got fucking <laughs> fake boxing and the fucking main event of the New York. I uh, say the
1: only thing I have a soft spot for is the whole um um what's her head uh, Orvin thing. Yeah, that's funny. That's my favorite part of the whole show.
3: It's really good because we got fucking Uncle Elmer? Is that why it's good? <laughs> Corporal Kirschner? Yeah. It's Hell, it doesn't even sub. have Roman
1: numerals. Like, <laughs> it did not
3: even it, bother. It's what the world has been waiting for or whatever world has come to. Yeah, yeah, whatever they say. I want to leave it where it is, right above nine. I don't... It's it's is worse it, than the classic. No, I don't know. They're both horrible. It's better than the classic. I, I can, it's better than yeah, the honestly, classic. Honestly, any given Sunday for those two. It's better than the classic <laughs> to me. Yeah. It's, um... It's got more charm than the classic. It's more fun than the classic. <laughs> the classic's got Michael Hamley just like this. I know. Like Bob Orvin. I know. It's like, n-
1: it's like a very, it's weird that they're around the same time and the same kind of shit happens an awkward like introduction of something. It's an awkward era. Yeah. Plus,
3: if you want any further justification for me putting a nine better than two, I cannot believe I'm saying this, but at least it has Hulk Hogan winning at the end. <laughs> I can't fucking believe I'm saying that. Okay. But at least it does. At least it has something. It has something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hogan Bundy's not that good. Yeah, It's not better than Brett versus Yoko. <sighs> okay, let's just leave
1: this. I- I'm fine with this. Does, this even matter? This dump on does this any list? of this matter? All of this list is, like, <laughs> all of these things are shitty. It's, like, hurting my brain to look at it yeah. at this point.
3: Well, let's run down a couple that didn't make it. I know people like when we do that. Okay. Just missing the cutoff here, and I do understand why it's on here. Uh, uh, over the Edge 99, the Owen Hart show. Uh, I'm actually kind of glad we didn't have to run through all that because that's just sad. But also the card is asshole. Yeah. Like, I don't like 99 WWF. I know. Retrospectively. It's, it's shit. That's where The Undertaker wins the title Making from Austin. a lot of money, though. Tons of money. <laughs> Despite uh, themselves. Pretty much. Uh, right behind that was WrestleMania 2000, which is a mm-hmm. piece. What do you mean? It's, it's a piece. It's got Chester McCheeserton on it. Moving along here, yeah. SummerSlam '95. I don't think I agree with that. That's a that's a decent show. It's okay. I wouldn't put '95. Got a on my ladder worst. match on it. That's very good. Yeah, and it it's, it's it might a be a one match show, show mm. but it's
1: still got a, it's still got a match, which yeah, is, is it's hard to good. say
3: for a lot of these other shows. Yeah, show. like the one two three kid has a good match on that show. Is it against Hakushi? Maybe I don't remember. Somebody has a good match. Yeah, there's another good match on that show. DX in your house I would have put that on maybe that's a piece of crap that event <laughs> God. that's such a throwaway pay-per-view too. Yeah. yeah
1: you know that's like the late I always think that December pay-per-views are just notably like just, they're all bad they're always like can we just go home Vince yeah. like nobody wants to be there
3: crap yeah and Wrestlemania 4 uh, which again I get that being bad but I think out of the out of the four notoriously bad golden era Wrestlemania's right which is 2 4 yep 9, and 11. I think 4 is the best one out of those 4. 4? Yeah, I'll agree with that. Yeah, none 4 of them is are good. the best. Yeah, none of them are that good, but 4 is definitely my favorite, at least. Anyway, that's the Royal Flush. Let's finalize it here. Thank you guys for your votes. Uh, discuss if you wish, if this matters to you. This is the worst WWF pay-per-views officially here. At number one, King of the Ring 95, two, December to December 2006, three, WrestleMania 11, four, in your house, four, five, Wrestling Classic, six, WrestleMania 2, seven, WrestleMania 9, eight, Survivor Series 93, nine, no Holds Bar, the match, the movie, and ten, in your house, beware of all the dogs. That is the worst pay per views. Let us know what you think. Do it on Twitter, do it on Facebook do it in the email whatever you want to do just let us know but when we come back we are taking a detour we're doing saturday night something but it's not main event live from new york it's saturday night that is coming up right after this
2: world champion hulk hogan climbs into
0: a steel cage to defend his title against king kong bundy The Intercontinental Champion Randy Savage gives George the Animal Steel a shot at the title. The World Tag Team Champions Valentine and Beefcake go to war against the British Bulldogs. Mr. T plans to box the ears off Rowdy Roddy Piper. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat isn't afraid of Hercules Hernandez. Andre the Giant and Big John Studder joined by six of America's top pro footballers in a 20-man over-the-top rope battle royal. Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff takes on the magnificent Morocco. Tito Santana teams up with the Junkyard Dog in the clash with the Funk Brothers. And the biggest hillbilly of them all, Uncle Elmer, stands toe-to-toe with the adorable Adrian Adonis. WrestleMania 2 presented by Unbreakable Toyota Hilux. 930 Friday, add to that championship wrestling, 930 Thursday night, two outstanding nights of wrestling on Channel 10.
2: Hi, this is Jameson. Remember me? Yeah, me neither. You're listening to our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast. It's the best.
3: And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast, episode 250. Thank you very much for being with us here for all these years or however long you've been here. It's actually been a number of years. I know not 250. We're just, Uh we like to joke around,
1: but five
3: years, it's crazy. It's been a while. So we're so thankful for that. We have a lot of uh, podcast friends that we want to shout out here on the finale. We like to shout out a bunch of people here. These are other retro wrestling podcasts that do what we do, which is kind of do it on their own. Mm-hmm. Scrapping through the independent podcasting circuit, if you will. They do. No big money here. No yeah. no big networks or anything. None of that. But some good shows. Uh, check out Book in the Territory with Mike Mills and his crew. That's the Southern Fried Wrestling. They are the unprofessional wrestling podcast, of course. You can check out Greetings from Allentown, which is a one man show normally. But with GFA Live, you get Fay. The Keithy edition. And that is, uh, again, old WWF mainly, but other stuff as well. Greetings from Allentown with our friend Petey. Our friend Luke Jennings has the Memphis Continental Wrestling Podcast and the Hamburg All-Stars. Luke is a nice bloke from the UK. Bloke. Big supporter of OVP. we're we're English. Yeah, look look how English we are. Yeah. Uh, So you check out either of his shows. Our good friend Mike Prue has uh, a Steve Austin-based show called The Bottom Line Cast, Mm -hmm. chronicling the career of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Very important wrestler. There's also an Undertaker-related show called Talking Taker. Always like that name. Yeah, it's a good name, right? Yeah. We also have our friend, one of the first OVP fans, Bill Yankovi. Oh, boy. Plugging away for 59 years doing his show. That man. might actually be 59 <laughs> years. And that's called That Wrestling Show, Bill Yankovi. Check it out. And Steve and Eric do the Positively Pro Wrestling Podcast, which is... Uh, a lighthearted romp through some old wrestling stuff similar to what we do here. That's PPW. You can check them out as well. So those are our friends of the show. If we missed anybody, I'm sorry. I'm doing my best to keep track of everyone. We we do our best. We do. But we
1: do like all our uh, friends yes. who do the other shows. Yes. Because, you know, it's just it's just nice to have some com- camaraderie. Yeah, you Comradery, can call it that. Yeah. Sure. That's there one way go. to say
3: it. So anyway, Quinn, we are reviewing something. You know who requested this one? Who? Mike Willette. Mike Willette. What, Go- what do you got for us today, Mike? Well, Mike wanted us to review not a WWF show, and that's what we do on the finale. We usually branch outside. This, of- is, this is the show for that. Yep. And this is Saturday Night Live, March 30th, 85. Now, what would that have to do with wrestling? Well, Hulk Hogan and Mr. T are on oh, it, Quim. Oh, they were on it, eh? The day before WrestleMania. Now, Quim. What is Saturday Night Live?
1: So- <laughs> yeah, like I don't, I've never heard of this show. What is, what is, no, I'm just kidding. But what what is Saturday Night
3: Live, Joe? Back in 1975, SNL debuted October 11th, 1975. And this was put together in the fallout from Johnny Carson deciding not to run reruns of his Tonight Show on Saturdays anymore. I see. Okay? I didn't even know that, by the way. <clears throat> well, that's why I'm here, Quinn. So in the 1130 to one o'clock slot, where the Tonight Show would normally be Monday to Friday, we needed to fill the programming, Right. So NBC called upon some people. One of them was Lauren Michaels, somewhat of a young up and coming producer at the time, television guy. And they put together a show. It was going to be sketch comedy. Okay. It was going to have musical performances, comedians, somewhat of a variety aspect. Little variety hour there. Little variety Which is hour. Common in the seventies
1: mm-hmm. and even the
3: sixties. Definitely. But the idea here is it was going to have a bunch of young unknowns that maybe would make a name for themselves. Maybe they could develop into something. Right. The original name for the cast was the Not Ready for Primetime Players. Uh-huh. Because it was a late night show. You get it?
2: Well, we've got eight, and we're hoping for two to really
3: work.
1: <laughs> so not all of these people will become stars. I mean, I don't, That's don't, what that's I, that's I said, that only two
3: of you will be chosen just to appear two three on the program, we'll so push. the rest of yeah. you are just spinning your wheels. Is that what I mean? <laughs> On this initial cast were a group of people, some of which went on to become very big stars: Chevy Chase, big star; Dan Aykroyd, yeah, Dan, thats a real big star, yeah. John Belushi, who obviously passed away way too soon, that was sad. Yeah, but he could—he was like one of the big breakouts. Was a breakout, yeah. Gilda Radner, another lovely, Love Gilda. lovely yep. woman, died a, again way too soon. Jane Curtin, a lot of people know Jane Curtin from Third Rock from the Sun. Yep, among yeah. other things. So. Bunch of talented people, and some of them became uh, very notable. Bill Murray joined uh, the following season, the second right. season. A lot of
1: people forget that. That's like, yeah. a, that's like a Streisand effect or whatever you want to call it. Mandela. Mandela right. Whatever effect. <laughs> it's an effect where people think Bill Murray was the first season, but yeah. I think
3: he was a guest sometimes on the first he season He might have been something. on it, but yeah. he became a, a cast member the second season. Right. And Bill Murray obviously was a breakout star. And the first few years of the Lorne Michaels-led version of SNL, was known for having some per, per, pervasive humor, you know, a little edgy, a little revolutionary, a little hip. You know, they were saying
1: things that like were just not said on television back then. Yeah, I guess the thinking was, well, it's late at night. Who the hell yeah. is going to see this, mm-hmm. right? You know what I mean? But the the a young a more of a college age and early twenties crowd mm-hmm. kind of took hold of this show, yeah. and it kind of became legendary. And it honestly, I feel like that crowd is what made it one of those things that you watch in your early 20s. It's just something you watch, right? It had a reputation. This show's for you.
2: Hello, I'm Baba Wawa. And welcome to Baba Wawa at Lodge. We are indeed lucky to have as our guest tonight the greatly respected and world renowned creator of shuttle diplomacy. Sometimes controversial, but to my mind, a weary really regular guy. <laughs> Secretary of State, Dr. Henry Kissinger.
3: And those first five years or so were pretty successful, pretty fun, and pretty well remembered. And then after the 1979 1980 season, some things happened here. Lauren Michaels left, and we had Gene Domanian come in. And she, uh, well, she guided the show through a big slump and made some changes that were not well received. Charles Rocket was brought in, and he was groomed to be the big breakout star, but he wasn't. Another guy yeah, passed he, away, you know, unfortunate circumstances, but. You know the thing is, you say a guy
1: groomed me and you say Charles Rocket, I've never heard of Charles Rocket well, in my life. Go. Yeah. So. His, his most
3: notable thing was he said fuck on the air. Whoa. Right. I'd like to know who fuck did it. And then I believe he was fired for that. I can't remember, but I've done that before. Said but, fuck on the air? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that. You didn't fire me for it though. I didn't? Okay, no. that's good. Joe Piscopo was brought in around the time. Eddie Murphy became yeah. Eddie Murphy was probably the, the early '80s, he was the he was the one. He was the bright spot of this era
1: yeah. of SNL and Joe Piscopo. We're not even an in that for this. This is '85, no. like we're the post Eddie Murphy era. Right? It's like yep. that's the thing is there's like a there's kind of like a the Eddie Murphy time period is like the the rebirth a little bit, right?
3: Well, it's, it's kind of like yes the wrestle. No.
1: It's kind of like the WrestleMania ten. <laughs> you know what i'm saying like yeah, the it's, this, it's this it's this pop within a, within a slump yeah you know what i mean that's true that's he, what i think of eddie murphy as like 82
3: or whatever yeah eight, yeah he started i believe in 81 maybe even late 80, the thing was remember. is
1: eddie murphy was so damn good that he left like right away like it was just like he was such a big
3: deal he got movie deals right away he got 48 hours and uh trading places and yeah. then obviously beverly hills cop there for, like, and that was two it. years or something yeah like it, like it wasn't long it was a few years uh, Gilbert Gottfried was a, co- a cast member around this time. A lot of people, right? Now, in 1981, okay, mm-hmm. the ABC equivalent, they had tried to do their own oh version. Oh, God. Funny Faces or People f- or whatever it is. It's called Fridays. Yeah, Friday. whatever that is. Yeah. It's shit. Andy Kaufman was on yeah. it. Michael Richards.
2: Starring Barry Edith Burrell. <laughs> Natalie Larry David.
3: That actually... Took over in the ratings, did it really? SNL because th- again this, that's poor. This era wasn't good. So Dick Ebersol, now Mister NBC, he comes in to save Saturday Night Live from the Gene Domanian season, save the eighty eighty one season, right? So Dick Ebersol comes in, and what he did is he remodeled the show a bit. He purged a lot of these people, or they left that were there, and he kind of turned it into a more for lack of a better term, conventional humor. Mm -hmm. Gone was the maybe offbeat, offbeat, hip kind of revolutionary humor that SNL of the 70s was known for. Not as edgy, maybe Mm -hmm. not as smart. This was the sports entertainment of humor. Pretty much, Quinn. And what what he did for the season that we are in, the 84-85 season, is he brought in people that were already somewhat established. Rather than using the young up-and-coming model, that they've been using for like 10 years. That's not to say there's some up and comers. There in this. are. Yeah. There are, but they had been there already. Mm-hmm. He brought in Billy Crystal yeah. for this season only, right? And Billy mm-hmm. Crystal was already somewhat of a name by yeah. 85. Admittedly, Billy Crystal is probably the best fucking person on this entire cast. Yes. Like, without question. He's like, yep. world's better than yes. everyone else. He's tremendous. Yeah. They brought in Martin Short from SCTV mm-hmm. who produced bigger stars like John Candy but among others. If you're others. joking,
1: we're like, I know there's probably a lot of Martin Short fans out there, but I think he's, like, the kind of comedian that is, like, while, yes, he's talented, he never really had big success. He like never he,
3: connected with me, personally. Pers-
1: me either, and I feel like he's one of those, he's a comedian's comedian. Like, he's, one of, he's a guy that probably wrote really um, very good jokes and, like, ver- like, very revolutionary stuff Yeah. and was probably appreciated within the industry of comedy. right. But I think that it's overblown that he was some entertainment legend or
3: something. Yeah, um, like because he he just never really was. I never really personally cared much for him. Uh, yeah. He wasn't. Maybe a, we're wrong. We could be point very us wrong. out
1: something that's like gigantic that we're somehow overseeing. Yeah. But me and Joe were talking about it. And we're like, I don't remember like anything Martin Short did that was like insanely popular right like you know what i mean
3: like that just everyone was talking about right right you know he was a sketch comedy veteran he was brought in he had the experience doing this on sctv so it makes sense and they also brought in christopher Guest and harry shearer who most famously to this point were probably known for spinal tap which is i love spinal tap right they're not Fantastic good on this film. though. no and uh harry shearer is gone by the way um by the time we get to this episode oh, I he's already gone Also, for random reasons, the very popular Weekend Update segment was renamed uh, for this season to Saturday Night News. What? Why fuck with it? I don't know. And (sighs) not only that, it isn't featured in every episode of the season. Right. Including the one that we
1: are watching. That's like the half... Everyone knows when they're watching SNL, right? The halfway point of SNL is Weekend Update. It's, It's dead in the middle. Yep. And that's like how you know, okay... It's like we've hit the we've hit the halfway point. Yeah. And I, I sort of always like that the way it was structured with that. And it's a very popular segment. Yeah, it's very fun. Usually, it's easy because you got. Here is the thing: is so much to make the show relevant too. I always felt Weekend Update kind of makes it that way, right? It's like let's just let's just take a moment, you know, 10, 15 minutes here, and we'll just comment on how fucking stupid the news yeah. is. Yeah, like it because it's because it, it is.
3: Yeah, because like it, it is. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so with that said. We're at March 30th, 1985, the day before WrestleMania, and as some people are pretty quick to point out, Hogan and T weren't originally scheduled for this. Apparently, Steve Landsberg, who we will see, was supposed to be the host, but he couldn't make it as the host, couldn't make it to rehearsals or something like that. Okay. So they had Hogan and T, which again, Ebersaw McMahon connection was already beginning mm-hmm. by this point. I'm sure they were putting together Saturday Night's Main Event. This already. is somewhat of
1: a coup for Vince McMahon. It I is. can't even believe. Yep. Like I know they were hyping the shit out of WrestleMania, right? But to get them on SNL to also to hype it, the, not just like the normal regular TV bullshit. The day before, yeah, like WrestleMania. That is, that is a pretty huge thing. It is. It's a huge especially deal. Especially the audience that SNL has as far as its age group and how that crosses over that wrestling. Is. Absolutely.
2: I'm Mr. T. I'm
3: the Incredible Hulk Hogan. We're going to be the hosts for Saturday Night Live this week. So, here we are. Saturday Night Live, March 30th, 85. Quinn, what are your thoughts overall on SNL? I was always a fan of the show. And honestly, I have great memories,
1: especially in my 20s and you know teens, that, that kind of time period. Yep. Of, and you, I even lived with you during some of this. I would stay up and you know hang out with friends and mm-hmm. have a couple drinks, and you know we'd flip on SNL yeah. and, and see what they had to offer that week. And this is not that though. Like this, <laughs> this show, this is not that. Yeah, this I know. is the '80s. This is like my parents' time. Yep, you know, way before our time. Way before our time. I first saw SNL in the 90s as a kid, you know, like Chris Farley and Mike Myers, Mike Myers, that 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 kind of crew and that's the kind of people I remember when I first got into it. Um, all of this being said, I've watched old SNLs before. Like I've seen like the seventies ones, you know, I've taken a peek, um, they're very actually hard to digest, honestly. Some of them, some, them, are. Some of them back then, yep. especially those early '70s ones, where they have like weird, like '60s styles, like singers singing folk fucking songs <laughs> on the on like the. I'm like, what the fuck? Why is this on a comedy show? That's funny. Anyway, I didn't know Hulk and T were even on SNL. This is like a weird. I guess because it was like last minute or something. I don't ever see this talked about very much.
3: It's not talked about too much. You're right yeah. about that. And neither is this era of SNL for reasons that we will discuss. Yeah, let's, but
1: let's see what we got here, right? Let's see
3: what we got. Our Cold Open features Prince, played by Billy Crystal. And it's a parody of We Are the World, which uh, is because Prince kind of infamously at the time, didn't take part of. Oh, I see. So they I had no idea why this was playing. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, so Willie Nelson, who is Jim Belushi, and Paul Simon being played by Martin Short, they wander in for backing vocals before Hogan and T get them the fuck out of there. And uh, Bruce Springsteen is played by Gary Kroger. He rears his head. He gets choked out by T. Then fake Cindy Lauper, who is Pamela Stevenson. I knew that. Yes. She comes in. This whole thing's kind of odd, Quinn. It's weird. It's weird. Yeah. By the way, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, who was a cast member from 82 to 85, She's there just in the background, which is. This
1: is a trend in this episode. I don't know how the hell you have Julie Lewis Dreyfus, who's like one of the best. A beautiful woman. Beautiful woman, all timer. Com- funny. Co- funny comedy. Like, how the hell do you not recognize that talent? They just like, didn't. It's crazy. She to was me. there for
3: three years and she did almost nothing of importance. Even
1: if it's just the looks, right? Right, right nowadays, that's like, <laughs> you yeah. know, that's what they focus on anyway. Like, she's funny. Yeah. How do you not. Was it, like, deceptive to them? They didn't think, like...
3: That she could be funny, maybe? That she could be
1: both? Yeah. Because I know that was a problem in the <laughs> 80s <laughs> in Hollywood. It, it was, like,
3: yeah. She does get one moment here as she takes down fake Cindy Lauper as Prince sings, I am the world. You get it? He's selfish, Gwen, because right, he did. Yeah. it's so clever. I am the world. I am the children. Hogan and T, meanwhile, are just making faces behind Prince. This is very unfunny agree like I
1: wasn't laughing I was just like I don't know what I'm watching yeah. it seemed like um, like I was watching all that and not fucking SNL
3: <laughs> we then cut to the intro here uh, the intro credits a cool opening actually it features Harry Shearer like I mentioned he's gone already he yeah, left in January and and, and Julia over here dressed like Marilyn
1: Monroe looking all hot they like she like goes up through yeah, the, the screen wind up the it, dress thing wind up the dress and they lift they actually like do the cut out kind of way of like lifting her out of the screen it's cool yeah.
3: the opening is cool also in the cast here is Gary Kroger who? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Martin Short. That's cool. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Pamela Stevenson. I don't even know who that is. Okay, she's in Superman 3. <laughs> wow, what a credit. <laughs> the musical guest, Quinn, the Commodores. In
1: 1985. Why the fuck They're like
3: not. a 70s band. Right? They are. And maybe,
1: again, I'm sure there's going to be people coming out of the woodwork. Who they, I love them in the 80s. Yeah. Well. You know, I Before think our time, I think historically people don't think of them in the nineteen eighties, they no. think of them in the nineteen
3: seventies. Brick House was seventies. Yeah, exactly. Know? We're then welcomed by Mr. T and Hulk Hogan for the opening monologue here.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. T and Hulk Hogan.
3: So Hogan and Tier are both in the red Hulkamania tank top, so they get a nice reaction from the audience. Also super weird to see
1: them on a highly respected show like <laughs> SNL. Yes. Then again, 80s SNL notoriously sucks. This is like, the thing, did I mention this? I was like Even I know the legend of SNL canon states that mid 80s is like the worst of the worst yes. SNL period and, and like good. everyone will warn you to avoid it yeah it's right? known as not being good <laughs> right yeah just don't watch it's not people like say it's like not even representative of the show as well, a whole we'll see it's right? that
3: bad it's like three or four years of just shit yep now we are only days removed uh, about three I believe from Hogan choking out Richard Belzer by accident. So keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. Hogan just cuts a promo, essentially. I mean, that's what he does. That's all this is. That's all this is.
2: You know something? Everybody out there, man, they've been seeing me and my main man T for the last seven or eight weeks training all over the country, man.
3: He talks about how they've been training for seven to eight weeks. California, Chicago, New York. He also says daddy. We're still in the daddy mm-hmm. era. Daddy. And they want to apologize if they've been nasty to their fans, but they do have a big match coming up in 12 hours. Yeah, WrestleMania 1. That's, that's crazy. Shit. 12
1: hours. I can't believe they did this right before the show. It's awesome. The thing that I think is not stated enough is how well they did on promoting WrestleMania one. They did a fantastic job. This is like to get on SNL like hours before is, is really unbelievable. Like you said,
3: it's a coup, man. They
1: would never be able to do that for any WrestleMania nowadays. Probably not. Never again. This is like a
3: one-time thing. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Hogan says they've been drinking the grapefruit juice and eating skinny little chickens, which gets a mild chuckle out of the audience. But Mr. T told Hogan if they come to SNL, they're going to get a laugh because it's the best show in the world. Maybe like seven years ago. (laughs) Hogan says if they don't get a laugh tonight, Mr. T's going to beat up everyone in the cast and in the audience. And as T starts talking now, some guy from the audience starts yelling and heckling him. And apparently this is a bit Mm -hmm. because T goes into the crowd. Starts to put a sleeper hold on him as Hogan says,
2: Not another lawsuit, Key. Oh no, not another lawsuit, man.
3: Get it? The guy was dressed like Richard Belzer
1: too. Yeah, it's literally the same suit. And I was actually like, kind of like, damn, so soon, huh? Yes, like this is know. like, I didn't, I didn't even know this that was ever even acknowledged outside of the incident.
3: They're like poking fun of it. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> that is a little weird, right?
1: Because our impression always historically was that it was never really right. ever mentioned. And here we go, right on
3: SNL in front of the world, they just talk. <laughs> they're mocking it. Three days later, yeah. you know what I mean? Weird. Nuts. Mr. T says that he's tired of people treating wrestling as a joke. And that's his whole, like, crux. And we've always given T credit, Quinn. Clyde mm-hmm. is, is, is
1: somewhat into this, though. Yeah they, yeah, they
3: are. He's T is very serious about this. He treats it like it's real. It's true. And I've always liked that. Hogan tells, though, tells Mr. T, take it easy tonight. But T wants a bear hug. I don't know. This wasn't great. I gave it a star and a half. I'm two stars. It did its job. I like the Belzer thing, but neither guy are comedians. And they're just cutting a promo.
1: Yeah, it wasn't yeah. funny. It's a decent promo. It was I okay, guess. yeah. yeah.
3: We now fade to Martin Short on the phone and in an office holding a cigarette. Now, this is actually a character Quinn called Nathan Therm. I can't believe this character survived more than this skit. It's funny if you like crap. It's an old character. I think he brought it to SNL. I can't oh remember, but anyway, he's arguing with someone about a check that he says that he sent.
2: I'm having. A, I'm no. I know that. I'm hanging up. I'm hanging up because I find your voice offensive, and I'm
1: sure your breath is the same.
3: He then tells his secretary, which is Julia Louis-Dreyfus, mm-hmm. to send her she's Who's not even
1: on the screen. Can no. I just say that? Yeah, it's unfortunate.
3: So she tells him that Mrs. Cooper is here for her appointment, and he doesn't believe that. More jokes are made that aren't great. Yeah, this is lame. Yeah. Julia now actually gets screen time. She leads Mrs. Cooper into the office. There's almost nothing funny going mm-hmm. on. This character is horrible. This this Martin Short it's original. hideous. It's not funny. It should be kept off. Of this show, right?
2: Why do you sneak up on me all the time. Do I sneak up on you while you're applying far too much makeup to your face?
3: So, Mrs. Cooper has Tony Gurria hair, and she says that she needs to talk to uh, Nathan here in private. I feel like I know her. Like the I forget Mrs. Her name. Cooper because M- she's I forget her name.
1: She's like in other sitcoms. Mary Gross. Yeah, I forget the voice. I recognize yeah. the voice. She's funny too. She's
3: funny. So he escorts Julia out of there and then they start dry humping on the desk. What is this shit? Is this supposed to be fun? Like, yeah, that's the thing. It's like, it just turns into like a drama or something. It's really weird. So apparently they're having an affair. He's worried about her husband finding out. And then he gets another call from Julia here who says Mr. Cooper is on his way in. And at this point, I'm saying, please be Hulk Hogan. So yeah,
1: you would think, right? Yeah, well, that <laughs> Wait, would make sense. Why do we
3: have these hulking special guests, right. right? So anyway, he shoves Mrs. Cooper in a closet here. By the way, there's a proud Nixon picture on the wall. I felt like that was always like a SNL jab. It's like, Get oh, it? look at the establishment. Yeah. Fuck them. They ah, like Nixon. Ha ha. Their failed president. Right. But unfortunately, Mr. Cooper comes in and it's only Jim Belushi. Is he even on this show? Because I didn't see him in the opening. He is. I think the opening was clipped oh, up a little. okay. Now, Jim Belushi, I don't hate him. I just think he's a less funny version of his brother. Oh, come
1: on! At this point in time, and I could tell throughout the show, he's very utility. Yeah. And I mean that in a good way, actually. Right. Because what I'm trying to say is that this show has a lot of people that shouldn't be on this show. (laughs) Right? I feel like Jim Belushi feels like a professional amongst not professionals. Competent. Yes. Like somebody who could slip into any role on this show. Right. He can be funny. Right yeah it, yeah he, he can he's not overwhelmingly funny, but neither is he like not he's funny not at all shitty, yeah, like he's just perfectly average he's he's honestly a perfect guy to center a sitcom around,
3: yeah. He's, he's perfect. A middling sitcom that can be on for like five years and get yeah. a syndication deal. Yes. And that's it. Like never a in ratings fact, hit. they had that according They're, to Jim. According to Jim, Jim, exactly. I'm pretty sure
1: that got syndication and everything. He's perfect
3: for the role. <laughs> you nailed it with Jim Like Belushi. I actually
1: have a weird respect for the guy just because he's like capable of, of like just being, he's one of the more serviceable actors in television. There you like, go. You
3: know what I mean? Very fair. Yeah. So Jim here says he's had um, Nathan followed by a PI for two months and he knows they're having an affair.
2: Maybe you're having an affair, and trying to pin it on someone else will alleviate
3: your own guilt. Have you ever thought about that? This skit is poor, I have you not know. laughed once, man. It's so bad. I'm laughing at it. It's <laughs> that bad. So anyway, Jim Belushi shows a picture of Mrs. Cooper and Nathan making out, and then we get an unnecessary breaking of the fourth wall by Martin Short. I don't know why. <sighs> Turning to the camera. It doesn't matter. Belushi now pulls out Nathan's monogram tie and letters from the two of them dating back to 1982. Where is the joke? This is like a bad scene from a drama. Uh, seriously, where's the funny part? Aren't we, isn't there supposed to be a funny part in these? I don't know. So I don't but, know where it is. Blue, she gets all huffy now and says that he's going to kill Nathan if they ever speak to each other again. Nathan then tries to talk his way out of it by saying "Mr. Cooper, Mrs. Cooper isn't even attractive, and then she barges out of the closet in a rage. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Mr. and Mrs. Cooper here decide to give things another chance, and then they just leave. In all seriousness, what the fuck is this? <laughs> is that really it? Well, the I guess the punchline here is that Nathan tells Julia to give them a bill for services re- services rendered, you know, like marriage therapy and counseling.
1: Yeah, that's the punchline at the end, and it doesn't hit at all. It's also the way, if, if that's the punchline, right, it's just like a throwaway line at the end that, like, not really emphasized. So maybe, like, half the audience doesn't even fucking understand what just happened. It's, it's-
3: really bad. And then we find out that Julia, the secretary, has been listening on the intercom the whole time, and right. now they argue, and that's how we fade away. Wow. Poor. Horrible. Horrible. Absolutely dreadful. I give it a dud. I'm a dud too. Not funny at all. At all. Like not at all funny. No laughs in this one. Next, we go to a living room set where some kid, quote unquote, named Andy, who was played by Gary Kroger, he's arguing with his dad, Jim Belushi, about staying at a summer camp while his parents are away for six weeks. First
1: of all, Jim Belushi's has this like hideous wig <laughs> yes. on and glasses.
2: But dad,
1: no one my age goes to camp. Why
2: can't I just stay home? Now look, if you think we're going to leave you here alone for six weeks while we're in Europe, you're crazy.
1: Can I just say one of my favorite SNL um recurring bits, and I swear this is on purpose, and it went on for years and years and years. I swear that the costume designer would find the worst wigs Maybe. Just, just as like an inside joke. Yeah, because it doesn't matter. This went on for a long time, even into the nineties. Like remember the nineties, the, the, the ongoing like rib internally seemed to be like the wigs would never stick to their heads. Yes. Like that was uh, like I swear that this is just a, like an internal SNL inside joke thing first could, of all like bad be. wigs second of all his son looks like he's 35 years old not it's insane one of those. and third of all here this is like the van down by the river living room set I in think, 1985 it's just like
3: modified but I, it's the same i think you're absolutely right yeah if it's not the exact same it's very similar but yeah. i think it is uh so we hear a doorbell and it's the camp representative it's christopher guest playing a guy named mr lubar and apparently there's a lake over four miles long at this camp. And then he shows them a bunch of pictures. Andy, the son, thinks he's seen this place before. And the dad notices the name of the camp isn't on the brochure. So he asks what it is. And apparently the name, Quinn, is Crystal Lake. You get it? Friday the 13th. <sighs> Are they serious? Like, who wrote this?
1: This is bad. I know. What is this? It's just a bad, like, it's funny. It's just like a bad idea. It's, I know. Like, it's like, it's
3: stupid. And they even really pointed out to make yeah. sure we all know when no it's one like, missed Remember the that joke. movie? Yeah. Like,. It's... <sighs> We're told that they also call it Camp Blood. And Mr. Lubar says, well, yeah, we've had some accidents there. A couple of broken legs, one or two boating accidents, series of decapitations.
1: You know, normal camping kind of accidents. Oh, you know, a couple of broken legs, uh, one or two boating accidents, and a series of decapitations. By the way, the delivery on all this is bad. Oh, yeah. It's like, it's super dry and straight. That's what she said. Oh,
4: shit. Look at me. I'm funny. I could have been on SNL in the 80s, too. America. Fuck yeah. Send your cards and letters to me. Sharon the funny fucking robot. Care of Ogden, Utah. Eat my ass with syrup and butter and whatever the fuck else you want. Lick my po- All right,
3: Sharon. That's enough. We continue to meander around the sketch as Andy sees a decapitated head in one of the pictures. Mr. Lubar says, you know, well, we've had a discipline problem there. One of our staff members named Jason, but they just can't kill him. He doesn't seem to die. And this! It's horrible, Joe. I know. So his dad, Jim Belushi, sends Mr. Lubar out of there, and Mr. Lubar gets all sad, but then we hear the creepy music, and he gets all mad, opens the door, and Jason walks in, and then we get like a comic hair flip effect on the family, as it's Hulk Hogan as Jason wielding an axe, and then we just fade away. I give it a half star for existing.
1: Absolute dud. Way too long. Mediocre punch line. It is. Hogan had no lines, no funnies. He just looked at them, and (laughs) that. The bad wigs is the
3: punchline. Like, literally. (laughs) It's so bad, man. Oh, my goodness. That was really bad. Another bad one. But it is now time for Fernando's Hideaway. Now, this is Billy Crystal, of course. Mm -hmm. So he tells the audience, you look marvelous, because 1985, and that's Uh a very popular thing that he said.
0: Thank you, darlings. I got to tell you, you look marvelous right off the bat.
3: So this is a parody of a real actor named Fernando Lamas. First of all, the father of um, Lorenzo Lamas, you might remember. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but also, he was the inspiration for the most interesting man in the world character. I see. Now, with Fernando today is Hulk Hogan and Mr. T. And he says, Hulk Hogan's 310, Mr. T is 220, the biggest hole in their hideaway since Orson Wells was there alone. Ah, the French champagne. Fernando tells him they're so big. And he asks Hogan if he works out all deadpan. Yeah. And Hogan says, well, darling, I do train every day. And then he wiggles his pecs for fun. Mr. T, by the way, this is funny. He slyly moves Fernando's coffee mug for literally no reason. And (laughs) Fernando moves it back. So this is actually funny. So yeah,
1: here's the thing is you can tell that everyone's having fun here. And Billy Crystal's just a professional and he's very, very good. (laughs) He's He's very good. In fact, Billy Crystal might be at like the peak of his powers right now
3: as far as like
1: a, a comedian in the industry. Yeah.
3: No matter what he does, it's just funny. He was very, very, very funny. Uh, Fernando asked Mr. T if he was upset about the Academy Awards, and T says that he's mad for not getting the Emmy on the A-Team. And Fernando's all, yeah, and you, you rip the head off and say, I love you, fool, or whatever you say.
0: I know, your are marvelous on the A-Team. I love that you get the Emmy and, like, rip the head off and go, oh, you know, I love you, fool, whatever you say. You know what I'm telling
3: you? And the Mr. T might actually break character to smile here. Well, this is the first time. Yeah. Because the, the, yeah. But then he scowls again. Yeah. And Fernando says, you must be cranky because of your bad haircut. We now switch back to Hulk Hogan. Fernando asks what his definition of love is. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> just the no nothing. Self. Just nothing. It was actually good. Which is funny. Now onto some wrestling talk, and Fernando says, Madison Square Garden, which is round, so I don't get the name, you think about it. <laughs> Hogan then tells T to put the sleeper hold on him. Okay, we're going with this joke again, huh? Mm-hmm. Anyway, WrestleMania talk now. Mr. T says it'll be marvelous for them, but not for the other guys. <laughs> Fernando. Who's that? Rodney Peepy Pipey Poopy. <laughs> well, who do you who's that?
0: Rodney Peepy Pipey Poopy? What is this guy?
3: Why did I laugh at that? It's, it's that stupid. The it, delivery it's too. Still,
1: it, again, it's a real comedian. Right. Like telling real jokes. And in the skit is not written like shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs>
3: yes. It's just let
1: Billy Crystal like ask them questions in this impression, basically. A lot like, of this yeah, is that's probably, all that's
3: all it is. A lot of it's probably improv. Yep. And Mr. T says, Yeah, that's it. Also, Mr. T
1: barely knows our name. <laughs> yeah. This is a thread throughout the show. I don't know their names. I, I don't just, know their, I just names. know their
3: faces or whatever. He keeps saying it. I, I almost like that. Yeah, I almost like it. Fernando, and then you lay low. What are your Passover plans? <laughs> that, I got to laugh at it. That was really good. And
1: they got another guy, Mr. Wonderful, and a broken arm guy called
3: Bob Orton.
2: I don't know their names at all. I know what they look like. Mm-hmm. And
0: then you lay low. What are your Passover plans? Do you have any. <laughs>
3: Fernando is like, okay, what about the holds? You're gonna do? And Mr. T says he's gonna be doing Mr. T's terrible ten torture test. It sounds marvelous. And then <laughs> Fernando, is that a rash or are you wearing a glove? Fernando <laughs> mentions germs, so like, yeah, it's all good. Yeah. This is all good. It's a, it's a great segment. Mr. T's got that workout bar with the right, you right, know, the bendy bar. So Fernando asks about it. And Mr. T, all dead band. Used to be a parking meter.
0: <laughs> you see Mar, as I tell you, you are so loquacious I was at I was at a Hollywood party where this wasn't all dirt, If you know what I'm saying, so you. <laughs>
4: <I> was, <laughs>
1: That was very, very good. good.
3: Very excellent. So T starts to laugh. This, reg- this cracks everyone, that line. Yeah. He regains his composure, but Hogan just can't help it. Yeah, he's he's done. It up. He's,
1: he's done for like the rest of the thing. Like, Billy Crystal got them.
3: And then he improvs this clearly. He's like, you know when you laugh, your little things that go a bouncy, bouncy, bouncy. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone just laughing for yeah, real. Yeah, he's really good. Billy Crystal rules. He's so good. He's very good in this segment. And then uh, Fernando here about Hogan's packs. He's like, yeah. do they
0: have names or what? <laughs> do, do they have names or what do you do with them? They-
3: and then he's like, you're the world's champion. I've got to ask you. Do you want to direct or?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Again, excellent. The non sequiturs. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just, he's
3: very good. He's very good. Fernando then bids us good night. This was great. I give it three and a half. Three
1: stars. Pretty good. Really made me laugh, yeah. actually.
3: Actually, funny. This is
1: the best thing on the whole thing. Agreed. With 100%. 100%. The rest after this is unbelievable. <laughs> like how much of a drop off. Oh, it drops, man.
3: Yeah. We now get a House of Shame, which is supposed to be like one of those serious news segments, yeah. you know? It's Pamela Stevenson here welcoming us to part eight of their series on the American penal system. And apparently we got some issues in prison here in 1899.
1: She's saying these issues go back yep. recently, meaning that like it's new in history. Get to, it. You know, a, to, oh, there's a problem in prison, right? Got
3: a great premise here. Yeah. So we cut to this old shitty prison where everyone is in the black and white striped jumpsuits. Yep. Jim Belushi playing the guitar. Yep. Martin Short is thrown in as the new prisoner. Jim Belushi's going to be his cellmate. Now, Martin Short's name here in the sketch is Percival, which leads Jim Belushi to make a bunch of unfunny references about his name. It's not right.
0: Any of them ever call you Purse or Purdy or Pretty Little Man Bump Mouse?
3: Belushi then sits down and tells Martin Short that he has no right to lay his big paws on him yet because the bull has the first choice. This is strange and
1: bad, and I feel like I'm watching the Max Headroom incident. <laughs> it's, like, so cheap-looking.
3: It is. It's bad. I,
1: I, I don't know how else it looks like the way the lighting is and the, the jumpsuits, maybe. It yeah. just it, it feels like some, like, renegade
3: <laughs> thing that I'm watching. Jim Belushi's mutton chops are good, at least. Mm-hmm. Though. I'll give him that. Anyway, the bull comes in and get it. He's all dapper in a fancy coat, and mm-hmm. it's Christopher Guest, if you care. Right. Now, he's got flowers and for some weird reason this whole time Jim Belushi keeps looking at the camera when he talks so it's either that or cue cards are right next to it I don't know he keeps looking I don't like it but either way the bull is all polite of course like he should be riding in a horse you know what I mean
2: Percival what a dainty moniker (laughs) Will you accept these tripling blossoms as a token of my esteem (laughs)
3: And Martin Short now accompanies the bull to, (laughs) this made me laugh. Yeah, the bench thing. (laughs) Yeah, there's a a random like swing bench there. In the prison. (laughs) Yeah, and the bull's like, ah, we can rest and talk here. That that was actually funny. Yeah,
1: it's very weird. Everything here is like slightly funny. It's like that middling funny, mostly this segment.
3: So the bull lays it on thick, you know, like some 1800s Lothario, you know. And apparently Martin Short, you know, Percival, ran over an old woman with four or five draft horses. Yeah, they keep
1: going on and on. That's his big crime. Like, basically, he was in a car accident of the equivalent time period. A horse
3: accident. Yeah, a horse (laughs) accident. (laughs) But the bull is here because uh, he happened upon 15 boys who had been butchered with a machete. And he was just helping to bury them when the police found him. Good lord. I happened upon 15 boys who had
2: been butchered with a machete. I was just helping to bury them when the police found me. (laughs)
3: The bull does the old yawn and put your arm around someone tricked Martin Short here. He made a move. Get it? He made a move. He then gazes into Martin Short's eyes before the warden wanders over. And the bull says, I'll see the gentleman home. He then gives Martin Short his coat. And he says, here, the night air is chilly. This is so stupid. So dumb. It's so stupid. We get a dramatic music again. And the bull asks if he can call on Percival again. Then he has one funny, I guess, line. He says,
2: would you wear my pin? (laughs)
1: be my bitch <laughs> that was the pun. they wanted to say bitch that's all you it know was. you know they totally that's
3: all they wanted out of this that's what they wanted yeah and with that we're just about done here uh no we're not because as the bull leaves jim belushi is there to ask what happened and how and when and martin short says he was wonderful yeah. basically what they're treating this like Quinn is like school yeah so like so, teenagers. Yeah, so
1: essentially what they're like all excited Like, it's a girl's sleepover afterwards. Like, Like, how did it go? How did it go? Yeah, like, so Belushi gets back to them. He's like, you're not mad at me or whatever. And he's like, only if you tell me all the details (laughs) all night and you can't hold anything back. Like, and it's like, they're like, hee hee -hee," Like They're they're like both like, it's just so stupid.
2: Let's stay up and talk about it. Oh, of course, of course. Now we stay up all night? Yes, but I want to hear every detail now. Don't leave anything
3: out. I get what they're doing here. But yeah. it's
1: not funny. I no, give it it's a star. not funny. It, I, I, I'm at a star also. It's very whatever. Very
3: whatever. A couple of funny lines, like the bench being there was funny. Yeah, the bench was the best part. Belushi was okay. Yeah. That's it. Next up is the Joe Franklin show. So, okay, context on this one. This was a parody of a real show hosted by the real Joe Franklin, and it was on forever from like the 50s till the 90s.
2: Well, the excitement is mounting today and mushrooming and snowballing and skyrocketing. We're going to find out today what is ham radio all about.
3: Uh, he basically had a wide variety of guests from all sorts of things in entertainment. Some big stars, some nobodies. I didn't even know this is real. Yeah, and it's another Billy Crystal character, a recurring one on this. And I already like it better because it's Billy Crystal. Mm-hmm. So Billy Crystal's like This is sponsored by Hoffman Beverages. Martin Paints. It ain't just paints. Uh, Matzo's by Stripes for the unleavened experience of a lifetime. <laughs> and Raymond Burr's Nipple Rouge. And that gets a good laugh even for me because it's just so
1: ridiculous.
3: Yeah, like, just the wordplay, you know. Nipple Rouge.
1: <laughs>
0: and welcoming a new product from a celebrity superstar. This is Raymond Burr's Nipple Rouge.
3: <laughs> Today's guest, ventriloquist Senor Cosa, which is Christopher Guest, and his dummy, Ricardo. Liberace? Yes, the real one from yeah. WrestleMania is kicking in. Yes, the like, real Liberace. Yeah, he, here he is. <laughs> <And> I can't
1: <laughs> believe, like, I didn't really think Liberace outside of the WrestleMania only was, like, doing things. Yeah, here. it was good
3: timing, huh? Yeah. And the mayor of Tin Pan Alley, Irvin Cohen, Martin Short. Looking like a thousand years old. Yes. So Irv here, this is Martin Short in the old makeup, which he loves to do makeup characters. He says, in the old days, they had a little thing that they used to call a vaudeville. And Joe is just like, hmm.
2: In the old days, uh, they had a little thing uh, that they used to call uh,
3: Vodaville. He then tries to say Liberace. He's just like, and then he just gives up.
0: Lib, uh, Lib, Lee, Lib, uh, the one, the only. What do you think of this super duper panel of stars?
3: Billy Crystal's good, man. Meanwhile, the dummy laughs. Senor Cosa says that uh, they use the Castilian pronunciation of Cosa. Very uninteresting right
1: now. Very uninteresting. I just don't care about this. No.
3: So Joe Franklin here asks if Senor Cosa would like to work with Liberace. And then we get a bit of a funny parody of the old ventriloquist act. Skit is all over the place too, by the way. Which is kind of how the Joe Franklin show was, you know.
1: Still, I don't, I'm watching this as comedy. It should be timeless and funny. It's not. It's not at all. It's not, neither of those things. I don't know what the fuck the Joe Franklin show is. (laughs) I know a lot of nostalgia crap and I've never heard of this show.
3: That's okay. I hadn't really either. I think it may be somewhere in my mind, but Joe does have a funny line here. I uh, love them every time. They tickle me. All Mm -hmm. deadpan. (laughs) Meanwhile, we go to Irving Cohen, who we're told has written 17,000 songs. And Irv says it's a thrill to be on this talk show type thing and it was such a thrill on the way over from the Brill building he wrote a song. We then hear the song. Not funny. The segment is dragging. Yes, Please end.
2: He stands, I would say, above those so high. He talks to the people, and that's a good thing.
3: Yeah, I know. You know, should we get into what the fuck Irv Cohen is supposed to be? Who? Martin Short's character? Okay. He's like an old man. It's an existing Martin Short character. (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. Yet again. Excuse me? Yes. I don't know if it's only SNL if we had it with him before this, but it's supposed to be a parody of, like... The songwriter publishing moguls of like the old times, like the '40s and '50s and shit. I get it. Then that's Tin Pan Alley. Yeah, yeah. All building yeah. Un- I understand that. Then. But it's not funny. Not at Orange all. Short's not fucking funny on this show so far.
1: Yeah, it's really bad. <laughs> it's not that good. You know what? You know what it feels like. He feels like pre Dana Carvey. <laughs> yes,
3: like you know like what I mean? An like earlier Dana Carvey. He's just an
1: earlier Dana Carvey.
3: Didn't they get Dana Carvey in 86? Yeah, he's like right
1: after him. (laughs) He's the successor to Martin Short. And his like impressions are like similar, but (laughs) I think it's just be. Here's the thing is that I think these Martin Short characters, they might make sense more to people watching this in 1985. Yeah, but they're not because they're relevant in their heads, right? They're people from maybe their youth or their parents' time and that they would think of as, oh, look at that old. Like, you know, like unhip people, right? Right. That's what people in 1985 watching, they get these Martin Short characters, and that's why it's getting a laugh from the audience. But from somebody watching it who didn't grow up, who didn't live in this time, it really doesn't translate at all. Right.
3: Right. But you know what does translate? Stuff like Dan Aykroyd doing Weekend Update with Jane Curtin. Yes. You know, and Eddie Murphy in general translates. And a lot of other guys from the good eras of SNL, it doesn't matter. Like, Wayne and Garth translate. Yeah, because they're just what they say is funny. Right. They're not relying on the character. Their lines are actually
1: funny. Yeah. You and know, honestly, like the the metalheads thing. Yeah. It's just like a known like type of music, and you're like, okay, I know guys who like that kind of crap. Yeah. Like you know what I but mean. But no matter
3: what they were wearing or acting like, the things that they say are actually funny. Yeah. This isn't funny. He's just like, oh, Tin Pan Alley. No one. If you don't know what that Again, is, if you know what, what it joke. is, you're probably laughing. because right. Oh, I'm. You know, I remember people like this. What? What a bunch of doofs. Right. or Whatever. Right. But we're a far cry from the hip satirical humor Mm -hmm. of snl with this type of shit Mm -hmm. you know anyway liberace says it's amazing that a man of irv's age can still perform and joe says to liberace would you like to get that old no Mm -hmm. uh anyway joe tells lee here that's what he calls liberace lee (laughs) that he's a big star he goes all over the world you go on tour people come to see you you're a legend in show business Uh, let me ask you this the uh, college basketball championship
0: monday night your thoughts
1: (laughs) <laughs> that, that that was the best line of the entire skit. 100%. <laughs> the just deadpan. Yep. G- legend of
3: comedy. What are your thoughts on the college <laughs> basketball championship? So the dummy butts in here to say that I've got Georgetown and Liberace. I agree with the puppet. <laughs> and he says "What Pat Ewing under the boards, Georgetown is absolutely awesome. I forgot we're like a year away from
1: Pat Ewing heading to the Knicks. He's still in
3: Georgetown. Still in Georgetown. It's <laughs> pretty good. Yep. And Joe Franklin says, Awesome, just like these matzos. Pretty fun. That that
1: whole, like, that, ever since the, the basketball, yeah. that's, like, the best shit on here.
3: Oh, and don't forget the nipple rouge. Yeah. And Irv says Sophie Tucker used to use it. Again, if you don't know who that is, you wouldn't get the joke. Anyway, he says Liberace is a perfectionist in the tradition of the late great Al Jolson. But today, the kids refuse to learn their craft. This is Irv. The kids refuse to learn their craft. They're too busy singing You Ain't Nothing But a Hound Dog and driving around in cars. I kind of hate this. Again,
1: unless you had said it, I, at this point in the segment, Joe, because I, I didn't look it up, I was like, who is he even impersonating? Like the old boxing guy, wait, wait, George wait, wait, wait. Burns? Wait,
3: Burt Sugar? Yeah.
1: Like, <laughs> I was like, I couldn't, like, fi- George Burns. I couldn't, like, figure out who he spoke right. he has a cigar and he's old. And, like, <laughs> those, those are the two things that I thought.
3: Yeah. <laughs> burnt sugar or george burns it makes sense
1: yeah it's literally the only things i can muster and figure out That's what this awesome. was
3: so anyway irv gets more wound up for no reason and then he leaves he goes the wrong way at first which was kind of funny joe this is an emmy award winning show my friends we now talk to senor cosa again this time about one of his albums from 1962 we now listen to a song from it.
1: I couldn't believe they were going to play it. I was like, no, end this. I thought they were going to play it
3: off, and that was going to be the end. And even Senor Cosa sings it live, Liberace looking over all annoyed. I miss the whole Spanish night <laughs> When the wind
2: blew in my window
3: Who is this for? This segment, I don't get it. I don't know, man. The camera this is a very funny during the singing of the song. This was funny, yes. Again, Billy Crystal. Yep. The camera just pans over to to Joe Franklin at the desk reading the Hoffman beverages can for literally no reason. (laughs) Yeah, like he's reading a box of cereal or something because he's bored. (laughs) And then it just quickly pans back over and then the song ends and then Joe with another great line. This, again, another good line, yeah.
0: This is an Olympic blue medal winning panel. I'm excited.
1: uh... And that got a laugh out of me because that was just, because a lot of this I was like struggling through it and, and like when he just deadpan that uh yeah, this is an Olympic blue <laughs> blue, gold, metal. A blue medal winning panel. I just <laughs> This is still going though. It's so bad. This is like the definition of garbage time segment. Yeah, it is Quinn. It's, it's
3: so horrible. Crud. Yeah. <laughs> so Irv wanders back over, he's still ranting, and then Joe with another good one. I'm putting this show in the safe they took out of the Andrea Dora. This is a one in a lifetime show. We get out of here as Liberace plugs his April fourth show at the Radio City Music Hall. Not WrestleMania. No, not WrestleMania. <laughs> this wasn't great, um, but I'm giving it my rating because of Billy Crystal and only Billy Crystal. Star and a half. Half a star for the Olympic comment. <laughs> this is a,
1: good. For the nipple rouge and the nipple rouge. There was some. <laughs> there were some comments, but that's it. I, okay. Honestly, like the funny, the funniest part is like us describing it was funnier than the actual. Like it was a struggle to get through this. Yeah. Like,
3: watching it. Another dud yeah. for Martin Shortwin. Yeah. Anyway, cut to Hulk Hogan introducing tonight's musical guest, the Commodores and Mr. T. And
2: now it's a real pleasure for me to introduce our musical guest, the Commodores and
3: Mr. T. So Mr. T's holding a tambourine and then he just gets shooed away as the song starts. I guess that was supposed to be funny. I don't know. Anyway, the song is Night Shift. Maybe you've heard it. They do a very good job
1: playing it. But again, very weird to have a very 70s band on SNL in the middle 80s. Like yeah. Very heavy middle 80s. Yep.
3: Uh, we're told this song was dedicated to Marvin Gaye. It's it's not bad. This is a good song. I like it. It's, it's not, not bad. No, it's fine.
1: Yeah. I have nothing at all wrong with the song. It's <laughs> right. just the Commodores on SNL in 1985 yeah. It's strange.
3: Unless were they re- were they experiencing some type of resurgence that I'm not so aware I looked, of. I did look them up, and they
1: like I guess this was
3: technically
1: still they were a very
3: active band yeah. in
1: '85. Sure, it's not that they weren't active. I just it sounds like from what I was reading that they were on their like tail end. Right, okay. like this is like. The back end of the Commodore's career. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm not an
3: expert they're, about that. I guess they're considered like one of those veteran bands at Makes this sense. point. Okay. So. We go to commercial now. We come back with Billy Crystal as himself. And he says, you know, we're happy to be back because there was a writer's strike. That's another thing I wanted to mention about this season. There was a writer's strike. Uh, so there's only 17 episodes of SNL this good. season.
1: <laughs> I mean, with this with this
3: performance here. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, it might be a good thing, right? But he says, we're happy to be back. And he was reminded of something his mom told him about being a comedian. Have something to fall back on. So during the strike, he became a substitute teacher. And this fades to a pre-taped sketch, which possibly shot on film, I oh, think. Oh, yeah.
1: It's like, this is like what, what nowadays they'd call an SNL short. Yeah. This is like not in studio. It's just something they're probably playing
3: on like a TV for the, for the live crowd. Exactly. Right? So Billy Crystal's sleeping here. He's awakened by a phone call. And it's an invitation to teach this week. So we fade to a literal pile of dirt and abandoned buildings all while Rock Around the Clock by Bill Haley and the Comets plays. So it's absolutely what you think. It's the burnt out Bronx in yep. the 1980s. Yep. The, like the, the, the comment, the Bronx is burning. Yeah. Like It's that New York. That era of New York. Yeah. Uh, and The Rock Around the Clock is an allusion to the movie Blackboard Jungle, by mm-hmm. the way. Great movie. If you've never seen it, check it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Billy Crystal narrates the school was PS45. Used to be PS50, but they took five off for good behavior. We see him arrive to the graffiti scrawled walls, barbed wire. Someone passed out on the steps. He says, "Uh, great, that must be the principal." <laughs> shot of someone teaching while a literal fire is behind them. In right, a like, can. like
1: as if it's the you know the the guy. Yeah, you, know, you ever see Rocky with the yep. guys around the fire
3: and the tre- <laughs> yeah, it's the same thing. And this is definitely shot on film. You can tell. Yeah. An old lady teaches while holding a gun at the students. Now, I'm like, I'm like, geez, this aged poorly. <laughs> yeah, like that just looks really
1: bad. No. And there's you, there's. Not good things that they're implicating no, there. That's
3: a little edgy. At yeah. least something's edgy on the show. Yeah. Billy finds his classroom, writes his name on the chalkboard. And as he's doing that, people throw... I, I have no idea what they threw at him. It's like white shit that spl- it looks <laughs> it's like just, bird shit. It's almost like, it almost looks like a cupcake or yeah, something. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, so we see the students, and they're all these edgy third graders, which is so kind yeah, of That's funny. the
1: joke. So you think going in, I think really what they were alluding to is like man these kids must be bad of course it's got to be high school right yes. like i think yes. that's the punchline. but at least they get to it immediately yeah, right they like, don't drag it yeah like you think it's all gonna be high schoolers like yep. acting rowdy
3: and you know they they gotta control them and yeah. blah 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 and like no 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 it's third graders third graders one is dressed like cindy Lauper, another one's dressed like fucking che guevara it's, it's kind of like
1: it's, it's like a, a hodgepodge of like 80s like popular figures who are kind of badasses, yep. right? It's like, it's ridiculous.
3: So in the teacher's lounge, Billy is now talking to another teacher who bitches about the kids, starts drinking. Billy wants to reach them though. And we're told this is the South Bronx to be clear. So okay. So the other teacher tells Billy he's not going to reach them with the showbiz chatter. You're not Merv Griffin. That's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Cut to Billy reading to the kids as a fire alarm sounds. But one kid stays behind and he tells Billy Crystal that he pulled the fire alarm as a joke. And Billy says, that's a very bad joke. That's a very apropos line for the show, by the way, Quinn. Yeah. The kid says, Fine, if you're so smart, why don't you come up with a better joke? It's a really tough guy, Nunzio. He died, right? You know what
0: his tombstone says? What the heck are you looking at?
1: <laughs> now it's lame. Yes, and on the purpose. kid thinks it's lame. Yeah. But this leads to yeah. We get,
3: this is good. We get a montage now, like movie style, uh-huh. of Billy walking around the whole day trying to make the kid laugh. He's basically th- keep.
1: He's trying to make a better joke, yeah. right? So they're, they're essentially they're going to joke school here, right? Like that's kind of the
3: that's kind of what they're going for. And there's hot swing music playing over, yeah. and it's cool. And he finally gets the kid to laugh, right? And then Billy says he realizes the key to survival is to throw away the books and go with what he knows. So we cut to the next day, Billy holding up the button down mind of Bob Newhart album. Uh, That was last night's homework. Mm -hmm. All the kids want to talk about it. One says it was cool because Bob can take a premise and and he builds it, man. It's cute. I like this segment now a lot. Like, it turned into, like, now he's, like, friends with the kids and all this. Yeah, it's excellent. So we now review a Bill Cosby album, followed by an Eddie Murphy album, and the kids are arguing about if Eddie Murphy's ever going to get the profanity out of his system. It's, it's funny. Like, all intellectual. like yeah. Like,
1: it's, it's becoming like a, like, actor studio yeah. kind of thing. Like, you know what I mean? It's funny, but
0: it's much too uh, dirty.
2: Yeah, but it's very polished. Yeah, but that ain't everything. Say something without using dirty words.
3: It's a nice play on that old trope, you know, the teacher that goes there to whip the kids in shape. And then they become they become his friends, yep. heart of gold, that like, kind of thing. Like Blackboard Jumble, To Sir With Love, all those fucking movies, you like know. Dangerous Minds. Yep. And Dangerous Minds, another one. Anyway, we now cut to Billy Crystal, now setting up a scenario for the kids about all right, one of you is gonna be a comedian at the MGM Grand. Another one is that guy from Oklahoma City who had too many drinks. So we do like the sketch where the kid gets does his comedy, he gets heckled, he argues back, everyone loves it. But the other teacher wanders in and lets uh, Billy Crystal know that he just got a phone call. The writer's strike is over. He's wanted back at work right away. Billy takes his coat, tells the kids he's got to go, and then the voiceover says, you know, you do need something to fall back on. And as Billy Crystal's in the hallway leaving, that kid, the one with the joke, throws some shit at them. Billy Crystal turns around and he says, Mr. C, you look marvelous. Good! I like the callback there. Yeah, excellent.
2: (laughs) Mr. C, you
3: look So this was cute. It was
1: decent. I gave it three. Three stars. I was a little skeptical because like I, I thought, oh God, this is going to come off really, really bad in 2021, right. but it took like a turn for the better yeah. and I liked it. It's not even really SNL theme though, no. but it's a decent short.
3: Decent like, short. Yeah. It could have been on any show. Right. You know what I mean? Any Billy Crystal, anything. A special, yeah. you know what I mean? the Emmys mm-hmm. mm-hmm. or whatever the fuck yeah. he hosts. Anyway, Mr. T and Hogan now introduce Steve Landsberg. We mentioned him earlier. He was supposed to be the host, but then he got sick. He says, but now he's better. I don't. I'm not, he's still here, so I'm not sure. I completely understand. Also, who the fuck? <laughs> who is this guy? It's from on the show. Uh, Barney Miller. I didn't watch Barney Miller. Me neither. It was on before we were born. Was one of the guys. Like matter. I know
1: a bunch of people are going to come. Well, you don't know Barney Miller. Like we were born like when this came out yeah like, you know, like <laughs> yeah it's like true. we were born then <laughs> so we weren't really capable of watching these shows
3: i mean we know our fair share of stuff from well before our time but not right. everything we can't watch everything i mean i've like, seen I like mama's family for notice. i don't know why it's a great show it's not i've seen barney miller just i'm not like an expert i've seen episodes of it it's a mm-hmm. police procedural comedy and it's dry and it's okay mm-hmm. but anyway this guy here does some stand-up. I'm gonna just dump some of it in. I'm not gonna recap stand up. You guys just decide for yourself if it's funny or not. Yeah. I don't even want to comment on it because I don't care. <laughs> he gets applause and I don't know why. It's like really whatever. it's not that good, man. Yeah.
0: But I do I do fly all over the country, all over the world. I I travel I'm on the road all the time. There's certain cities that become you have I Nashville was great. I was in Nashville recently, went to the Country Music Hall of Fame. Not one Jewish country singer. You will never hear a guy go, she left me, she took the tractor.
3: We now cut to Rowdy Roddy Piper and Bob Orton at the WWF backdrop. This is cool. Yeah. Like, they're just in the
1: WWF <laughs> yeah. zone. Like, just, just, just jeans not there. Good. Yeah.
3: Come on in, Glasgow, Scotland. Yeah. Anyway, Piper calls up Mr. T and he asks who we think he is, Superfly Jimmy Snooka. Are those chains there to impress somebody?
2: With all these pretty gold chains around, trying to impress somebody? Is that what you're trying to do, huh?
3: They laugh at everything Piper says, which is very telling about how the general audience would feel about wrestling. They're like, oh, it's funny. They don't think Piper's a bad guy. They're like, oh, that's funny. So I can't, yeah, I can't tell if that's a good thing or bad thing. It's a a bad
1: thing, technically. But I also think it might be a good thing because it speaks to how entertaining Roddy Piper was. True. to a mainstream True. audience at the in this time period. You know what, you're Okay. That's the one right. thing I want to say about it. You know it. what? You're yeah. right about that. And it's no wonder that
3: Hollywood came calling, right? Good point, Quinn. But it does go to show you that this is kind of what happens when you present wrestling stuff to non-wrestling fans like they don't really this, know the story. They just are laughing at it in a withdrawn way. Like if you ever look this is a real quick side discussion, but if you ever look at the crowds at WrestleMania's four and five mm-hmm. in the front row where all the really important people are, They're smiling through everything. They're getting a kick out of everything because they're like, "Yeah, these
1: guys are pretty entertaining and it's
3: fun. They view it as almost
1: beneath them. Right. You know what I mean? But they're entertained, too. They're entertained. It's like a circus to them, right? Like When you go to the circus, you're not really committed to the craft of like acrobats or anything. You're just like, oh, that's pretty amusing. Right. right? That guy made a flippity dip over there.
3: But it's clearly the way Vince McMahon would present it as if no, everyone cares about this. Right. Everyone's invested. No. But a lot of people are just like laughing. <laughs> Look at that guy; he's fat. But here's you know? here's the
1: thing that a lot of wrestling fans, again, an aside here, but that they don't understand. That's what you want. You do want a chunk of that. You want a chunk of your audience to be those people that they're not looking to technically criticize it or appreciate. It. They're just looking to be entertained for a half an hour or right. something. Or like, an hour or whatever. You yeah. know, and they're
3: watching your program. Yep. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There is a market for that. Yeah. But anyway, Piper uh, says that he and Paul Orndorff and Bob Orton are proud that they never had to come from the projects. Talk about coming from the
2: projects, huh? Talk about Paul Orndorff, Mr. Wonderful, and myself, we're
3: proud that we never had to come from the projects. <laughs> <laughs> Piper ends with, you should be lucky to say hi, I'm Mr. T alive on Saturday night. And of course, the crowd laughs right. at the supervillain as we fade back to Hogan and T. Mr. T plugs WrestleMania again tomorrow, tells everyone to see it on closed circuit because it's sold out. And Mr. T leaves. Mm-hmm. Hogan goes into Hogan promo mode, which he he's good at this here. This is why he's here. Yeah. He's but like, it, you got to buy it on closed circuit, daddy. You yeah, know, he all that says stuff. all
1: the lines. He's, he gets everything in and he's compelling.
2: Closed circuit TV tomorrow. The whole world's watching WrestleMania Madison Square Garden. Be there. <laughs>
3: So anyway, we go to break one more time. We come back with the cast signing off. Liberacci's flanking Hogan and T. I always like the
1: SNL closing. I don't
3: know about yeah. you. I always like this, like, ah, we did it. We got through this shit, yeah. uh, you know? Yeah, we made it. Yeah. Well, anyway, this was, well, uh, <laughs> ooh, there's a reason. There's a reason Saturday Night Live is not known for being particularly good in the first half of the 80s. Mm-hmm. Now, this one was very much the Billy Crystal show. Like I said, I know they're trying with Martin Short, but honestly, I'm just not a big fan of him in general. What do you What do you think of this? Quinn? I was like,
1: "Holy shit!" This episode was as a struggle to get through. Um, some moderately funny stuff. Most of it was trash. Show like, yeah, I would avoid this era of SNL. Like, yikes! Yeah, it, it's yikes. bad. It's no wonder they like took most of this era of SNL off like Hulu and stuff. Remember when they had like all of them for yeah. a time briefly, and then like they just kind of like. Well, like, let's just keep it to like some good episodes and the more the most recent stuff, so people can catch it or whatever, right? Because right? after a point, they just—I think they just said, you know what? We're not even going to show anything past like ten seasons ago. Let's just make it more of a current thing, because right? Some of this Too stuff much. is uh, eh. not
3: very good. Yeah, there was nothing political here, nothing satirical, really, nothing hip, like we said. It's the the original gestalt of SNL is gone by this point. Yeah, but what's interesting. Is It did receive, this season, this Dick Ebersall's last season here, it did receive very good ratings compared to the previous few, which again, that makes sense because it got really bad in 80. Right. So it was kind of rebuilding. But NBC almost canceled the show after this season. I don't blame so them. So they weren't happy with it. No, and I, I've heard that story too before yeah. also that there might have not been SNL after this. They only agreed to continue it on the condition that they could get Lorne Michaels back. That's a fair request based yeah. on the performance. Yeah. So, Lauren, he struggled a bit in his first season back. It's not known as good. Mm-hmm. But over the years, you know, he built it back up again. And obviously, the cast, they were pretty much all gone. Billy Crystal wanted to stay and they didn't want him to. Hmm. Isn't that Maybe weird? Maybe just because he represented yep. um, this.
1: Unfortunately for him, even though he was very talented and he was basically carrying the damn show on his back. He was kind of like the masthead or the face of of this era. And they were, maybe Lauren Michaels just felt, you know, maybe we should just start fresh. Start fresh. Yeah. yeah. Just like, nobody wants
3: to think about how bad this was. (laughs) Right. It's like, I think that's a good
1: choice, actually. I do
3: too. And Billy Crystal didn't need this show. Yeah. You know, so his. He really didn't because, like,
1: after this, he did when Harry met Sally and stuff like that. And he's like a legend now.
3: Yep. I will say also, I think Mr. T and Hogan did a very good job with what they were there to do. I agree. I wish they were in sketches, but they weren't. They were just kind of doing wraparounds. Other and than stuff, Fernando, which was which the best tremendous. sketch. Yeah, yeah, they were in the best sketch. They were in the best sketch at least. So, folks, if you can track this one down, or if you can't, let us know, and you want to check it out, it's a definitely an interesting period of time for SNL. Mm-hmm. Very different ethos than there had been previously in the seventies. You might not even recognize it as an yeah. SNL. It's really weird. It is weird. Overall, though, I'm glad we reviewed it. Another one to check off the list there and obviously let us know your suggestions for reviews to do that on our Facebook group in the uh, specific episode review request section. Just a couple of quick points here before we get out of here for the season. Thank you for being with us. All of these episodes. Thank you for your support. Thanks for interacting with us. It means a lot to us. We're really happy to do this show for you guys. Thank you for another wonderful season. If you want more of what we do or you just want to support us, we would appreciate it. You can do that at Patreon, patreon patreon.com slash OVP podcast. Again, my suggestion is try it out just for the rest of December. Cancel it before the new year if you don't like it and it's not worth it. And be sure to leave us a review if you don't mind. Do that on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. We love getting reviews from you guys. It'd be wonderful and it does help us out. But until next season in two weeks, we will be back next week for a special break episode. Thank you guys so much for five years and 250 episodes. I'm Joe Morata. That's Michael Quinn. And we are out of here. See ya. Without this Brett kid match, this is dope. This is, I mean, dopey. Yeah. Dump. Let me say that again. Good. Cause I can't <laughs> <f-ing> talk. Yeah. <gasps> Without this Brett Without... Without... (laughs) Blooper reel.
1: They have a... um, They have a... uh, (laughs) Search bar.
3: Over at Facebook.top. Is seafood... (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Sorry. I'm going to edit a lot of that out, but... (laughs) What? It's not horrible. Oh, sorry. I thought you said WrestleMania 11. Oh, no. WrestleMania 9. Is that? Why are we talking about WrestleMania 9? Because that's what's on there. Oh, wow. I read that backwards. I apologize. Whoops. Fans, count us down. Joe, turn the volume on. Podcast, thank you guys so much for being with us here for episode number 246. Coming to you Monday, November the 8th, 2021. We're here to romp you through the world of retro... (laughs) Oh, that was a good start. Beep, 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 this is why you watch beep, beep, the Raw feed. Only for this.
1: This is... <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'm sure that Richard's going to put that up. Oh, look, mate. They fuck up. You should watch it. <laughs> <Yeah. All right. laughs> you hate, <laughs> I hate, you hate it. that people watch this. It's so funny. It's so terrible. Why do we still do it? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's try this again. <whistles> Count us down, fans. And Buddy Rogers. Roberts. And Buddy Roberts. And Buddy Roberts. The, the, we're talking about the bet. We're talking. About, honestly, all things considered, there's very minimal dialogue editing done on this show. We actually do a pretty good job yeah, just doing As live. we have to edit out yeah, all, yeah, all.
4: Yeah, 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 yeah.